Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Free play. Got him. Caught and into the end zone. Touchdown. Travis Kelsey. These guys are here to break it all down. You know, there's a 52-game option and a 56-game option both being considered for the middle of January. And I think the fact that they've moved on to that discussion is in and of itself a little bit of a positive development. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. <laughs> How you doing everybody? Rise and shine. It is Monday, December 7th. James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. That never gets old. The old Mark Donnelly bail. Yeah, who would have thought that that wasn't his biggest slip-up? Right? <laughs> you're singing, you're skating, you don't see it, and uh, falls over the rug, and then over the weekend... The rug pulled from right under his feet, which made for a very interesting 48-hour period on social media and for Canuck fans. In a in a weekend, James, where it just felt like, man, these are, you know, there's three kind of weekends that you kind of count down, and it just seems like everybody's calendar is busy because you got to go here, you got this, you might have this social gathering, you might have this party to get to. It's Christmas time, you're running out of time, and man. The clock didn't move too fast for me this weekend. It's just like, ha, oh, there is, like, yeah, we got the tree. We kept busy, but then you just go, like, what's there to do right now, man? It just kind of caught up to us all this weekend. <laughs> you know, yes, there is clearly a dearth of uh, of sports activity on this side of the border when the biggest story pertaining to the sports landscape here over the weekend and maybe just the biggest news story in Metro Vancouver from the weekend was the fact that the Canucks punted the one of their longtime anthem singers Mark Donnelly um, for showing up to an anti-mask rally uh, and, and Francesco Aquilini not taken to it uh, overly warmly you know kind of grinched it mm-hmm. essentially and I don't blame him no, we all. Everybody who was on social media got to be a part of the dismissal. <laughs> Donnelly heard of it the other way. Hey, Vancouver Sun changed the headline to ex Canuck singer. Yeah, uh, I mean you gotta understand. Listen, we sit here. You know how much money's being lost. You know what the situation is from the hockey team, and you're the guy that gets it going for all the big games. And you decide, hey, this whole mass thing. I'm not so sure it's true. Yeah, I'll lend my voice. You tell everybody I'm coming to sing. We'll get it going. Man. Empty helmet move, as I like to say. I like what Aquilini did. Quick, swift, done. Let's move on. Well, you know, I I think there is a debate, and this is where I think some people did take issue with it, right? You know, going public like this when you're the owner of a hockey team, um, you know, is that is that the appropriate response? And that's where some people, you know, you know, kind of took aim at the Canucks, took aim at Francesco Aquilini. Some suggested a Rogers boycott for Rogers Arena. They thought it was unprofessional for Aquilini to go public like he did to give a longtime member of the Canucks family that sort of uh, cold shoulder in such a dramatic fashion. But 
I'll say this, man. Like, honestly, Pear, when you have a business that loses well over a million dollars for every home game missed, and you have an independent contractor whose platform is effectively attached to your brand and pushing a narrative that effectively hurts your chances of getting back to a normal business life with your company that's hemorrhaging millions and millions and millions of dollars, I have no problem with how Francesco Aquilini rolled over the weekend. Donnelly brought this upon himself. And if I'm Francesco, I'd be furious, man. Like, that is a slap in the face to the team that gives you the platform and the exposure that has given you not only local awareness, but national and international attention. And you're going to do that? I'm sorry, man. Like, I, I'm sorry, not sorry. Francesco Aquilini, to me, is well within his right to do it. And I get, you know, people will say, oh, you're just saying they're home of the Canucks. Honestly, man, like, common sense. If that's your business and you got an employee doing that, that's hurting your business, why would you even want to associate yourself with somebody who's trying to hurt your product rather than help it? It's the stage that he was given by the club. Uh, there's nothing other than, you know, back in the 2011, one of the stories I wanted to do during the Bruins and the Canucks, you're always trying to go, okay, we know the heart and soul is going to be the hockey coverage, but we did a story and said, okay, it's also the battle of the battle of the anthem singers. You know, as to what was going on. Now I'm going, uh, uh, is it Renault? Le not Renault Levo. I'm trying to go. Who was the guy who did the fist pump? Rene Rancor. Rene Rancor in Boston, right? You watch the Bruins play, and Rene was their anthem singer, and he would sing it, and then he'd give the multiple salutes. How many would he give? How oh many my fist God. pumps? He had all he the hand gestures. He was like a wrestler right? or, or a gang member, one of the two. For but he was the Boston Bruins, right? You knew when you watch a Bruins playoff game and it's a big game, how Renee was going to do it. So we said, well, there's Mark Donnelly. He's got his act going. He's going to have everybody sing for him. So, you know, that was the way we did it. But, you know, make no mistake. These guys are part of the show, but they're nothing to do with the team. And you're so right that Mark Donnelly is, you know, I can't name you any other guy who sings for Vancouver Opera. And I don't know how, how good he is in, in that role. But I know, yeah, he's an operatic singer because I know him from – NHL games, and that's where Mark Donnelly, I'm sure, is recognized constantly and has been for decades. Hey, Mark, NHL game. Yeah, Canucks. To go do that in the face of what's going on, I'm sure a lot of people who are defending him on social media but might at the anti-mask rally, but every right possible as a boss to say, hey, you know what? That's not how we think, and you won't be singing the anthem anymore. No problem at all with Donnelly getting canned and by Aquilini reading it and probably making that decision within 30 seconds go you know I'm not having anybody associated with something that has taken millions and taking hundreds of thousands of lives I'm done with it we don't need you coming into my rink yeah you're done son <laughs> sorry yeah. what a break for Marie Huey right <laughs> Honestly. yeah and, and everyone's giving Marie some love and why not let her do it. Let her carve her own issue and, and let her sing. Let others come and sing. But, Mark, you had a nice run. And when you look back, guess what? You ended it by your decision. And that's fine. He should be he should be comfortable with the decision and probably knowing that doing it might be costing him. And so it is, right? That's our yeah. poll question, by the way, this morning, too. Do you agree with Francesco Aquilini on the decision to get rid of uh, Mark Donnelly? So it's 80-20 right now, early this morning. People say, yes, move him.
20% saying, what are you doing? Uh, here was Don Lee at the rally uh, over the weekend uh, addressing uh, supporters, uh, fellow anti-maskers uh, just outside the Vancouver Art Gallery as he uh, tried to drum up the warm feels for an O Canada rendition. I guess there's a good chance I'm no longer employed over at uh, Rogers Arena. Um, I'm going to use the old words. I use the old words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't like change. Let's all oh, yeah. Let's go back to all thy sons command. Yeah. It's going old school. Like, come on, man. This ain't like, you know, this isn't like. This isn't like Bob Dylan getting up there saying, hey, who remembers like a Rolling Stone? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm bringing the old <laughs> words back. Yeah, yeah. he's going to bring back the old words. <laughs> it's all tied together. <laughs> this massive conspiracy. They've been changing us forever. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And by the way, you know how much hairspray I use to get my locks to look like that? I'm going to use a whole can of hairspray, too. Turn on your cars, honk your horns, let them run forever. Man, like he's just been suppressed by everything. I'm going to use the old words. This is a classic. Uh, see you later, Mark. That just added to the push. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know what? I've been singing there for the last 10 years, and I hated when they forced me to change the words. <laughs> and another thing, the words. Never mind the masks. The words. They really get my gears or grind my gears, if you will, <laughs> to steal a line from Family Guy. Uh, hey, our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, is going to join us at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, we'll also uh, be joined by uh, Sportsnet 650 uh, hockey analyst Corey Hirsch. will join us on our Connects commute at 8. Uh, speaking of Mark Donnelly, at 7.30 this morning, uh, soccer writer over uh, who covers Sunderland, actually, uh, over in England, uh, Mark Donnelly. Another guy named Mark Donnelly is going to join us, and it was quite the weekend for this Mark Donnelly, who I think had a lot of people going after him on social media <laughs> because he had the same name, and he's verified. So uh, Mark will share what his weekend experience was like being known internationally as Mark Donnelly. Looking forward to that coming up at 7.30 this morning. And uh, David Amber, uh, Sportsnet's uh, Hockey Night in Canada host, uh, will drop by here momentarily and we'll dive into uh, the latest as the NHL continues to try to figure out uh, what the return-to-play protocol. Per, I, I will say this. When, when you look at what's happening um, you know, with, uh, from a hockey standpoint, you know, the NBA is now up and running, and they're tipping off December 22nd here. So we're, we're what? Like, we're two weeks away from the NBA, you know, getting mm -hmm. underway. Preseason games start on Friday. But the Portland Trailblazers had to shut down their training camp facility because of three more positive tests uh, on the weekend. And you kind of wonder, okay, how's this going to play out? Because... I feel like this is something that the NHL is going to have to prepare for, right? Like they're going to have to deal with shutdowns and what this is all going to look like because of the way that this is in a bubble this time, right? I mean, there was what, almost 50 players that tested positive, um, you know, when the NBA kind of did their first wave of testing, but they haven't specified whether it's players, staff members, coaches, or whatnot. But, like, they have a preseason game ready to go on Friday against Sacramento that is supposed to be televised nationally. 
And at this point, we don't know how long their facility is going to be closed. But I think like this is something that the NHL and the players are going to probably have to deal with as well. And this is where you want to have as much runway as possible when you are trying to get ready to drop the puck on a season that it's already going to be condensed. And you're still in the middle of a pandemic with a vaccine that is on the way, but not quite here yet. Well, you know, go back to the conversations that we were dealing with and the people we had on this show back in, you know, June when you knew the NHL was pushing forward and you knew Vancouver was one of the options to have a bubble. And the sticking point back then was Dr. Bonnie going, well, what happens if someone tests positive? How long do they quarantine? We're not, you know, NHL's, well, we're not shutting it down if we get a positive test. And they got to that bubble and that was success. And the same thing for the NBA. But to watch what the NFL has done, and they go, it's almost by day basis now of, okay, what do we have to adjust? We got two games today, one tomorrow because of COVID 19. To think that the NBA is going to get through this scot free would be irresponsible. And to think the NHL, considering where we are at the heights of this pandemic, to think the NHL was going to come through and start playing middle of January, February 1st, or where they decide and think that they won't have a COVID test positive. I mean, I, I think that would just be foolish on the part of everybody involved. This is how do you handle it? So you're right. Again, the NHL will be able to observe to see what happens. But I think the NBA, more flying around, more games. You're not playing one on Sunday and that's it. But it's going to be part of the reality until the vaccine gets in. Uh, and we continue to wait. So uh, David Amber uh, will join us here momentarily. I mean, I guess maybe the best thing about what happened uh, from a Canucks standpoint this weekend with respect to Mark Donnelly, it's provided a nice distraction for the Seahawks here up around these parts. Oh, I mean, what a dropping of the ball. Like, how embarrassing is that at home and losing to the Giants? Like, to, to let that go. And you know what? Here's another thing, Pear. Like, your defense continues to play well for, for over a month now here. Uh, this Seahawks defense that has been absolutely kicked in the A-double crooked letter all season long, and there, and and yet you couldn't find more than, what, 12 points against the Giants yesterday? And this goes back, and, man, I'll tell you what, the meal ticket again, lackluster day, Russell Wilson, yep. right? Yeah, I mean, they were out physical by a Giants team that wanted it more. Giants team made some big runs when they needed to. And the Giants team didn't even have Daniel Jones, right? They, you know, they're going with Colt McCoy. They've got a second string back. They don't have their lead, second string quarterback. They don't have Saquon Barkley have it. And they look like they just were going to win it. Now, you thought Russell had his opportunity, but he made so many, I'm not going to say dumb decisions, just wrong decisions, like he was panicking. And here we are. We looked at that Seahawks schedule last week and said, "Hey, they got the Giants, they got the Jets. They've got they could they could go outright and win this thing." Now you see the Rams play good on the road and beat Arizona. You see the Seahawks, and there's some serious issues because they were out physical. And again, the last five weeks for Russell Wilson, he's made some really un Russell Wilson like decisions. Maybe there's just too much on him. But a week goes by, you go, ah, "They're not the best team in the NFC West." No way. We'll see if they can bounce back, but they were terrible. Uh, only made for a whole bunch of different things, especially what's going on with the Jets and the Jets coming back to see the Seahawks next week after. I, I got a stat. It's it's never happened before in the history of the NFL how they blew that football game last, uh, last night or yesterday afternoon against the Raiders. The Jets? The Jets. They've never done. No one's ever sent seven people at a quarterback when the only way you can lose is to get thrown behind you. 
They're just how do you do that? Remember we had Barry Wilner on. We asked and, and, and do it and do it twice and do it twice back to back plays yeah. right. Like that's that's it's like the fact that you had a chance. You got a mulligan on that. You saw oh okay this probably didn't look this probably didn't work so well. And you doubled down on it. <laughs> we are going to get Trevor Lawrence one way or another, and I don't care how public we have to do this. Well, that's what you you think, right? Any other sport, you see something like that that's never happened before to go, okay, we are watching a tank before our eyes, but I just don't think you – no, know, athletes just don't want that, right? You yeah. work all week for an opportunity to finally get a win. I just don't think the competitive side of an athlete is going to let things go. And, you know, sometimes I wonder when you see extra points, going, ah, I don't know, can you tell if he's pushing it or did he mean to do that? But, man, with the Jets, you just wonder. No, the best thing for us. Jacksonville looks like they're in a game in Minnesota. We would make sure we lose this. Uh, tough to see, man. Tough you know, see. Uh, a former uh, – when I when I worked at TSN years ago, um, uh, talking to Matt Dunnigan one time, and, and Dunnigan, who was on the uh, CFL panel, I remember him once remarking to me off the cuff, said, Seaball, if you're going to screw, screw up. And clearly, the Jets have been listening to Matt Dunnigan. David Amber mm-hmm. from Hockey Night in Canada, our Sportsnet colleague, joining us here on this Monday morning. Amber, how are you, man? Doing well. It's been a while. How are you guys doing? I, I, it, it is good. It's, uh, it's kind of like, man, you must be like just, okay, can we get some hockey going here? Or, or are you just enjoying all this downtime at home? No, come on, man. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. It's a disaster. I, I've never wanted to get back to work more than right now. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, we, we're we're sitting here waiting. It, it'll just be nice to have something to give you some purpose uh, and honestly, a nice escape for us. I, I think we all felt that way in the summer, right? Like it was so, you know, it's a little different. I guess out on the West Coast, you guys find a, a better way to occupy yourselves on a day-to-day basis. But here on the East Coast, especially now when we're in a deep freeze, it's nothing better than to be thinking, hey, we, we got some games, we've got some great rivalries. And we've got something to sink our teeth into. So we're all excited. We just want to get an official date. I, I think this is a really important week as far as nailing down uh, a labor agreement, nailing down a schedule, and, and away we go. Because they're, they're on the clock now, fellas. And a lot of people believe being on the clock, having a bit of a pressure point to, to have to deal with will be helpful to get this thing moving. So I think the next seven days are pretty important to getting the resumption of, of a new season going. David, we just spent the first 15 minutes of our show and most of the whole weekend talking about the Canucks anthem singer. So, man, we need we need something, too. That's for sure. Hey, it's kind of been quiet. You know, all the insiders, Elliot and Chris, they you know, they, they've kind of had nibbles of news. Is that a good thing that it seems in the last three or four days they've kind of locked it down a little bit more to get this done? I think so. I, I mean, I think the owners, the players, uh, you know, the NHL as a league is sensitive to what a lot of people are suffering through right now. And quite frankly, uh, they don't need this out in the public. Uh, it's a bad PR look. The optics are horrible. Uh, you know, they got some things to air out. Let's air them out in private. Let's quietly get things done. The, the next announcement you want to hear from Commissioner Bettman or any of the owners uh, or in a, a player on a tweet or whatever is like, thank God we're, we're heading back to the ice, you know, January 15th or whatever. That should be the next announcement. The next announcement shouldn't be, hey, we're, we're making headway or, hey, we, we're still disagreeing on these things. It's just tone deaf to what's going on right now. And I, I think there's enough awareness there, you know, uh, about the real 
plight that people are suffering through right now, uh, enough sensitivity that they're aware of that. So I'm, I'm hopeful, again, that this is a week where things, as you said, are kind of quieted down and it gets taken care of behind closed doors and we can just move on and, and start talking about what we want to talk about, which is Vancouver, Calgary and uh, the, <laughs> the new burgeoning rivalry in the National Hockey League. So I, I'm excited for for getting back to hockey talk and not talking about uh, labor unrest and when there's going to be a schedule and if there's going to be a season, which seems to be, you know, the, the narrative we've had to suffer through for the last few weeks. David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada with us here on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I think everybody kind of here, here, uh, and a cheers to that, uh, listening to that this morning here, David. But, but give me a sense, like, I mean, I guess the, one of the tricky things, and we were just talking before before you joined us here a couple moments ago, over you see what ha- what's happening in the NBA right now, and, you know, I think there's been a lot of, <laughs> there's been a lot of the sort of talk with, Looking at the envy, I guess, in some respects from a hockey standpoint to an NBA going, oh, look at this. They figured it out. They're up and running. The training camps are underway. But then you look at the Portland Trailblazers having to shut down their facility. I mean, this is the very stark reality that hockey is going to probably encounter at some point. Like, there will be positive tests. The fact that we're not operating on a bubble this year, this is where it feels to me like, Guys, you got to get up and running here sooner rather than later, and do it, and get up and running in the winter, like at a time where we think about hockey. Whereas, as much as we enjoyed watching some of the summer bubble hockey, I mean, I mean, Dave, I mean, it's. I think we more, and especially I think in America as well, you know, we associate hockey with winter, right? Like now is the time. Mm-hmm. This is hockey season now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, all those points you just made are so true. It's. Exactly. They want to get back on schedule. I mean, enough of the summer hockey. Listen, it was fun in this summer because we had no alternative and we're going to suffer through that again this summer, again, with no alternative because of the pandemic. But the idea is for when the the great new rival of the Canucks comes in Seattle next year, it'll be in October to to late May season back on schedule uh, winter hockey. So with that in mind, um, there is some pressure to get things going, get this season done by July so you can have the off time, do all the things that need to take place for the agency um, and the draft and everything else, uh, and, and as well as the expansion draft. So there's two drafts to look forward to in this next off season and then into uh, into next year. So there there is some pressure to get this done, and you're right. There, it's an opportunity right now. It does feel like, uh, you know, hockey season. I, I woke up this morning, I had to drive my kids to school, and you know, it's minus eight or whatever the, the degree, you know, I'm sitting there scraping the car and all the rest. So trust me, it's definitely time for hockey. And and we're at the mercy of the pandemic, right? Like, this is the thing yes. that's not being talked about, guys. And and I think that's something yeah. we got to keep in the forefront. And, and you mentioned the, the struggles with the NBA players testing positive, And we've seen the struggles with the NFL week to week. This is very different than going back to two hub cities when the cases were minimal. You know, in the summer, there was one day... In, in Toronto where there was eight cases, eight new cases. And in all of Ontario, there was fewer than a hundred. That was in the summer. That's when hockey was going on before. Now we're seeing at least in Ontario. And I know really across Canada, you know, this surplus of, of surge of cases, we had, um, you know, 1800 plus cases uh, last week in yeah. Ontario. So, yeah. I mean, the numbers are going up. We're at the mercy of the pandemic. And I think there's going to have to be a contingency plan in place as much as they'd like to play at the separate arenas. I'm sure the NHL is sort of figuring out a plan like, hmm, what if we do have to get into bubbles again? Because that might be the only safe way to resume. 
Well, Dave, and that's the interesting thing. I mean, we're waiting to see, hey, figure out your money. But there must be behind the scenes. What's your contingency plan? Because you're probably going to have COVID. Uh, you know, what's the playoff structure look like if you're going all Canadian? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that I think hockey fans are are interested in other than the dollars and cents that you wonder if they've got all that nailed down already because it's going to have to be flexible. Well, I think it's a fluid situation. Uh, you know, yeah. Commissioner Bettman said as much. He basically said, we might start without any fans. We might get to a port in the season where we have partial fans. And our hope is when we're handing out the Stanley Cup, you know, it's a capacity stadium. You know, the likelihood of that, maybe not that likely at this point. Uh, but there could be some... A variety. Things are moving quickly. It's a fluid situation. If a vaccine is in place, as, as it seems to be headed in that direction, who knows? All bets are off. And, and maybe that's something we're trying to sell the owners on. You know, Commissioner Bettman knows they're concerned about their finances. Uh, certainly getting a season underway, getting the ball rolling, uh, even if it's not ideal at the beginning without fans. If by some point during the season we can have fans enter the building in some capacity, then you're going to regain a whole new you know, way to monetize your product, which is something that obviously is very important to the owners. So um, I, I'm, I think you guys are hitting all the things, you know, all the salient points right on the head. It's just uh, it's tough because there's a lot of moving parts, unlike uh, previous years where we just sort of said, OK, well, let's go. Here's the schedule. <laughs> you know, I can't wait till we see a, an actual schedule uh, put out by the National Hockey League. David, nice to catch up with you, man. Uh, I feel like we really just scratched the surface on this this morning, and uh, I feel like there's a whole Canadian division we got to break down sometimes. So uh, come back and uh, let's let's talk some hockey again soon. And uh, all the best, and have a safe and happy holiday. All right. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Uh, enjoy being on, and uh, anytime. Yeah, let's talk some hockey for sure. All right, take care. Thanks, there man. he is, uh, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada, weighing in uh, as the NHL tries to get closer and closer to return to play. I think the one encouraging thing over the last week or so that we've seen, or even the last couple of weeks since prior to the U.S. Thanksgiving, is the rhetoric's died down here, Pear, right? Like, you know, we're not mm-hmm. hearing. I, I think, like, the cooler heads are starting to prevail. Yes, I'm sure there's people that are upset. I'm sure there's people that are frustrated. But we're not we're not seeing the buzzwords, the betrayed, angry, uh, that sort of reaction from the players, it's just kind of keep your head down and let's see if we can try to figure this out and, and drop the puck on this season after all. Yeah, yeah, you know, my curiosity is this, James. They look at it, okay, if we can go January 15th, we can get it all done by the middle of July. We have to because the Olympics. But, you know, we're watching two football games today, one tomorrow, and they've got a week to prepare. But what happens if, if and I guess that means how many bodies do you care? If all of a sudden the Oilers have five guys that test positive, you know, if you've got a quarantine, even if it's down to a minimum of four or five days, but if they're playing three games in that five-day span, which is very plausible, you know, how can you build in that extra time if you've got that deadline of the Olympics? So I'm really intrigued at those questions. Hey, deal with the finances. That's millionaires, billionaires. But I'm intrigued. Okay, how do you set it up when we have an issue? Or are you going to see some teams play like we've seen in the NFL where you go, wow, They've pretty much got a line from Utica playing for the Canucks tonight because COVID's got through. Fascinating things that have to be settled. And as David said, it's all fluid. How do you come up with the answers? 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this uh, Monday morning, the Dunbar Lumber text line already jumping for business here at 650-650. We'll get to some of those in just a moment. We'll also tell you how you can hang out this weekend with Kevin Bieksa and a few other former Vancouver Canucks, so I'll give you those details. Uh, We'll be giving away a pretty sweet prize later on this morning. Plus, why Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is your Canadian Athlete of the Year. We'll explain next, right here, on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the 
starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 632. Get used to the rain here this week. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed, uh, got your sunshine fill last week. Uh, rain in the forecast today and all week long. Uh, hey, uh, a reminder, uh, coming up uh, on uh, the weekend, uh, the Canucks are having a Canucks hot stove event Friday, December 11th. Um, and Kevin BX is going to be part of that. Uh, our own Sportsnet's Dan Murphy uh, is going to be uh, hosting this. A couple of surprise alumni guests pair. And we want you to take part in it, right? Tis the season to well, be jolly. Listen, uh, unless you're not listening to the rules, there's not a whole lot for you to do. So how about having access to this VIP gathering with Murph, Bieksa, and special guests to be announced? Um, also, you could win. We include some food for one. So you can you know, jump online. A beverage will be delivered to your home. So all this is up for grabs. What we thought we would have the people do is on the Dunbar Lumber text line, James, if you're interested in winning this, we will pick a winner before the show is done, but take some time and think about a question you would like to ask Kevin Bieksa. You know, it's it's a hot stove lunch. You know, guys are going to be talking about anything. If you've got a really good question you'd like to ask Kevin Bieksa, text us that question at 650-650. If we see it's good, we'll submit it to Murph. Murph can make sure that question maybe gets on. But your chance to win Friday night, uh, log on. You'll have some food. You'll have a beverage. Compliments of the Canucks and log on and uh, – be able to watch this so make sure you get that information send us your name as well and we'll pick a winner sometime around 8 30 sound good 650 650 get those questions in and uh you can uh, you can be part of all the fun and the vip who could use a little vip action uh, these days uh and you can get uh, hooked up uh we'll announce the winner coming up later on today here on the starting lineup uh 650 650 as we mentioned pair uh the dunbar lumber text line a few people jumping in uh this morning already reacting to mark donnelly's abrupt dismissal um and uh, you know one coming in alex and new west thank god mark donnelly is gone never liked the way he did the anthem i enjoyed how he included the fans but that's it he thought he was bigger than the game as it were i am very happy francesco had the guts to do what he did and that's uh, well done alex in new west so um and then there are others uh, that kind of see it differently the empty helmet award goes to somebody who thinks that masks are actually doing anything what do they even test for? You think it's COVID because if you did, you would be wrong, you mainstream media muppets. So uh, there you go. Um, somebody who was uh, probably there with Mark Donnelly at the uh, anti-mask rally uh, downtown this weekend. Yeah, 84% in our poll question this morning is, do you agree with Francesco Aquilini deciding to fire the anthem singer Mark Donnelly? 84. I rounded up to 85% of you. Early this morning, are saying, "Yeah, no, I got no problem with that as well." I always thought that Donnelly seemed a little lazy there, Perry. You know, let let the fans sing it. Like you're an opera singer, right? You're coming in, you're bringing in the big pipes. Like, man, that guy. I mean, hey, full credit to Mark Mark Donnelly for a second here. Like, dude can sing. Like, straight up magical pipes. You know, you kind of just check out for half an anthem, and it was like the anthem's only about a buck and a half anyway, right? Like, it's only about ninety seconds. You kind of tune out for 45 seconds and just put the microphone in the crowd and let everybody sing along. Hey, they paid you. That, they brought you in to do the anthem. But he's the he's the innovator of it, wasn't it, right? 
Was he? Move, man. I don't know. No, are you telling me that no other anthem singer in the last hundred years? I don't know, but I can't remember anybody doing that prior to. I think he had the platform. I would say, I would say this: he had the platform that you know what I mean. I don't know if anybody did it more noticeably than Mark Donnelly um, to hold up the microphone, but I guess you give him the benefit of the doubt to say that he was kind of the guy who was known for doing that. But you got a voice like that. Come on, man. No, but I mean that—that's the great part, right? That was that moment, and you take it. It always goes back to that 2011 run, which is we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. Now to find out when he sang on the when he sang on, at the art gallery on the weekend, he said, "Yeah, I'm going old school too. Screw the new national anthem words of togetherness and inclus- inclusivity. I'm going old school. All thy sons command, right? We are, yeah. you know. So, uh, hey." He had his moments. He was great. There's some people going, he should have got rid of him a long time ago. There's others. Good run. He's And you know what? what it works. Mark Donnelly, for as much as we talk of 2011, was part of 2011. Turn the page. Mm-hmm. Turn the page. Let's do it with some other singer now and see right. where this young team goes and have a new face there. We'll see if it's Maria who or who gets the gig. But uh Francesco Acquini very publicly saying ex Canuck singer once the headline came out in the Vancouver Sun on the weekend. Yeah, we're getting word now that uh, Donnelly was also the one who started the riot after Game Seven in 2011 as well. Paris. More infor- yeah, it's, it's, James, it's how it more fire. information comes out. <laughs> I'll deal with that. In, I'll deal with that in PS or maybe BS. Okay. Uh, <laughs> before we get to PS, uh, let's get into today's C ball says. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. The Lou Marsh Award will be handed out Tuesday, recognizing Canada's Athlete of the Year. And for months, I kind of felt like it was a no-brainer that Alfonso Davies is the runaway choice. Winning a Champions League title with Bayern Munich, entering the conversation as arguably the best left back in the world, and he only turned 20 a month ago. Oh! Jesse! Oh my God! Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You followed me! Oh, my. <laughs> oh, I never get tired of hearing that. But after seeing news yesterday that Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was named as part of Sports Illustrated, Sports Person of the Year, the activist athlete, a list that included LeBron James, Naomi Osaka, Brianna Stewart, and teammate Pat Mahomes, it gave me pause for a rethink. It's a story that feels like it's miles away based on what he did at the start of the year, but... He, Even now, one that is simply incredible. A starting right guard on the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, a franchise that had gone 50 years between title wins. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami as they win it here in Super Bowl 54. But rather than fighting to defend a championship, he instead chose to battle the COVID-19 pandemic that has killed more than a million and a half people worldwide this year. He chose to give up an average annual salary of $8.4 million to focus on what he studied to be in university, a doctor. At a time we needed healthcare workers more than we've ever had in our lifetime, LDT chose to help us rather than the Chiefs. 
And to be clear, we're not talking about a role player or a backup. We're talking about a starting member of an offensive line that protects Pat Mahomes, the most transcendent player to hit the NFL in years, possibly ever. As long as tried to make a diving attempt at Mahomes, who tipped those inside the 10. Still not down. Oh, what a run out of this world. He returned home. The 29-year-old native of Mont-Saint-Hilaire, Quebec, chose to volunteer in a long-term care facility in his home province at the height of the pandemic's first wave, the eye of the storm. When the impact and the danger was still so unknown, he chose to step in and help. In a year where so many raised their voices to help, LDT also lent his mind and his body. Sports vary. Some are individual, others are team sports. And Duvernay Tardif was the ultimate team player choosing to help all of us. So in short, sorry Fonzie. Hey! But in a tough and challenging, unique, unsettling, crappy, and every other buzzword that's been out there to describe 2020, I'll take Laurent Duvernay Tardif to be my Canadian Athlete of the Year. And that's today, Steve All says. I like your mindset. I like your priorities. He won't win it because they will avo- they will give it to an athlete um, who has persevered and done something no other Canadian has done. That said, you know, keep Laurent Duvernay Tardif's name in mind when you're thinking about Order of Canada and stuff down the road because it's remarkable how he turned aside. And he's not alone. There are several players, several of his teammates actually, that didn't come back to play because of COVID-19. But none of them were doing that to say, Hey, no, because I'm good enough and I'm a doctor and I can help this situation. He's the type of guy that I'm sure when he's 40, 45 years old and they ask him, he goes, oh, no, I'm a doctor. You might take six or seven line of questioning before he tells you, no, no, I actually won a Super Bowl too. Oh, no, I was actually a starter. Did you make any money? Yeah, no, I signed a deal for $42 million. I don't think he cares about being a football player. He cares about being a great citizen. We're lucky to have him as a Canadian citizen. You know, if you think of the Canadian person of the year, hey, put him right up there. I think maybe he wins it. But I think tomorrow when we're talking of the Lou Marsh voted on by, you know, writers, I think Alfonso Davies wins that award hands down. But Seaball, that's not that's not doing anything to say. But what we have witnessed as acts of kindness and putting people first, Duvernay Tardif, in a bigger form, thrilled that he is part of the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year, one of five who deservedly get that award when it comes to activism and how we've dealt with COVID-19 in our society in 2020. 643, uh, 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, give us a sense on uh, how you think it'll play out tomorrow when it comes to Canada's Athlete of the Year. We'll find out tomorrow with the Lou Marsh Award. Uh, coming up in a moment, don't forget our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J at 7 o'clock. And in a moment, no BS, just straight up PS next on Sportsnet 650. It's all PS, no BS right here. On the starting lineup. Welcome back. 648. Lots of stories that we deal with. You hear about the big stories, but there's always something that takes place in the world of news that could be BS, but we just call it a little bit of PS. There's no lie here. Bad snowstorm in the Boston area on the weekend. So as local news teams do, you know, they went out, they 
head to the roads and start talking to local citizens about how they're handling conditions in the road. And they talked to this gentleman at a rest area. Uh, we're from Canada, so it's not too crazy. I mean, uh, we got some winter tires and uh, used to this growing up. So um, it's not great. I'll tell you, you get some, uh, some tough stretches, but if you don't go too fast, uh, uh, it's doable. Yeah, you might be able to recognize that voice and see the smile because all he did was talk and smile. Jerome again listed in the Boston area, I think just because he could be an everyday regular citizen if it wasn't a hockey fan recognizing him. So Aginla is there in the snowstorm. The reporter has no idea. He goes, hey, man, I'll give you a clip. Tells the story, reminded us of the Weather Network doing streeters at the seawall after the Canucks were eliminated from the postseason. And this gentleman talked. Not a lot of rain, a lot of sunshine, and uh, the weather's been really mild, so it's been uh, really nice. Hey, Seafall, again, Luongo, they're streeters, and sometimes reporters don't know who they are. We should clarify that uh, again, does more than just uh, uh, talk and smile. I mean, 625 career NHL goals, arguably uh, the, the best goal scorer of, of his generation, but man, uh, just, I, I love the fact that, it, you know, Getting getting weather tips, winter driving advice from, you know, a hockey Hall of Famer or soon to be anyway. Uh, it was fantastic. You know, there's a list of them. I found uh, Adrian Peterson, Clay Thompson, just, you know, in the news, people just getting street or stopping someone in the street. And the next thing you know, uh, we had a, a crew and we were working downtown and an entertainment reporter was going to get in the streets. And then Denzel Washington walks by. Just hang on here. You know, and you, you ask the question, and then about a second or two, and they go, hang on, here, Denzel Washington. Yeah, no, I am. So then he ended up doing a promo. So you never know what you find. Hey, P.S., the Jets. Oh, the Jets. How tough it was for their, how tough was it for their fans yesterday? Jets coming. Carr put some air under it. Wide open his ribs for the touchdown. Miraculous. Incredible what happened. Here's what's crazy. So the NFL, the league, they've got a database going back to 2006. Obviously, they go back to all the history, but a database that shows certain situations. So going back to 2006, they plugged in the situation that the Jets faced on the weekend. It was the first time ever that they could find that a team sent seven players after the quarterback on a play in the final 15 seconds of a game (laughs) where the only thing that can kill you is a touchdown. Never done before. That's the New York Jets making history. You know, I, I will say this, though. If you're a Jets, of a, of a long-suffering Jets fan, and you're hopeful that you get that first overall pick, you know, you win that game yesterday, like, that hurts, right? Now, all of a sudden, it jeopardizes. Like, that's a spectacular way to lose. You were in it the whole way, and then you lose in heartbreaking fashion. Like, if you're legitimately hoping to tank, like, that's a great way to lose, right? As opposed to just getting absolutely brutalized, you were in the game. You didn't technically roll over from the from the get-go. You were in it the whole way. Heartbreaking way to lose. But, you know, you're still in the driver's seat to, to take Trevor Lawrence. They may look back at it as, you know, they may look back in five or six years if Trevor Lawrence is what they expect he is and go, boy, you know what? If, if we actually don't give up that play against the Raiders, maybe it changes. You're right. Hey, P.S., uh, kids, moms, dads, the countdown is underway. And you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not bow, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town.
Uh, Ballot played that for me. It's officially Christmas when I hear Springsteen singing that. But James, should we be surprised in 2020 there is such a thing as Zoom Santa? There's no, a couple there's in the, Missouri yeah. who have been mall Santas and, and Mrs. Claus for a long time. So Zoom Santa, they have been so busy doing it. Uh, five minutes, $49. 10 minutes, $69. They're doing about four or five visits an hour and cashing in right now. It's, uh, oh, I'm sure there's a ton of money to be made. Like, like, think about it. People are going over the top with Christmas. They're looking for every possible way to try to keep this as festival as possible, right? I mean, it's, you know, Brenda had a case of wine delivered to our house yesterday. So, I mean, like, tis the season, right? But, you know, like, Christmas, like, like go try to find Christmas lights somewhere right now in any store. Oh. Pair, didn't you just go through this? Like, they're bare. The shelves are bare this year. It was a Christmas miracle when I found them. Like, it, I almost cried Saturday <laughs> afternoon in the midst of it all, going through rummaging. Oh, my God, that's exactly what I need. Yeah, it is. Everybody's doing what they can for Christmas. And finally, this is BS, not PS, but... Sometimes you wonder if Dr. Bonnie Henry would just like to say something like this. This is a parody. This is not her, but it's worth a laugh. And it was going around on social media in the weekend. I know it's not easy. Many of you, myself included, are feeling tired. Dr. Henry? Frustrated and anxious for this to be over as soon as possible. Excuse me. It's important. We have updated numbers for today. Okay, you people need to get your... I've had it. No more dinner parties, no more beer pong festivals, no more hacky sack tournaments, and no more hookups. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Wear a mask, do the what you're told, don't be an stop being a and That was BS, not PS, but sometimes you wonder if behind closed doors she's thinking that way. You just man, the audio of like hearing Dr. Bonnie loser ish. That would be yeah. <laughs> that would be next level. Uh, our Monday morning quarterback Nate Ajay will uh, join us uh, coming up in just a matter of moments. Our number one on this Monday morning in the books. Lots more still to come. He's Perry. I'm James here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. We play. Got him. Caught and, and to the end zone. Touchdown. Travis Kelsey. These guys are here to break it all down. You know, there's a 52-game option and a 56-game option both being considered for the middle of January. And I think the fact that they've moved on to that discussion is in and of itself a little bit of a positive development. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, two minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Monday morning. What's happening, everybody? A reminder that this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. We'll get to the whole anthem singer controversy coming up a little later on this hour, but we'll dive into... uh, a little NFL talk. Our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, uh, will join us here momentarily. 
Perry Solkowski, James Sabalski in the house with you. Perry, this was like the telling sign, and I thought Dan Riccio, uh, co-host Reach Deep uh, weekday afternoons here on Sportsnet 650, pointed this out so perfectly after the uh, Chiefs took care of business against the Denver Broncos last night. But this was this was the proof Riccio pointed out, just to sum up, that really – um, the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, have been sleepwalking through this season based on this post-game interview from Travis Kelsey following the Chiefs' win over the Denver Broncos. I mean, we just got to finish strong. I mean, hats off to the Raiders. They've done an unbelievable job the past two games of, you know, presenting a challenge on third downs and in the red zone. <laughs> the Raiders. Didn't even know who they are playing. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That had, but you know what? It's happening. I was watching a local uh, local news on Saturday night after because it, you know this is the weekend where you start to go. Ah, okay, the, you you run out of weekends in December because there's so much going on. But I don't know if it was different for you. There's not much to do. We put up a tree this weekend, and that was it. So then I'm watching the late news, going, ah, I should just watch the news, see what the COVID numbers are. Wanted to see the the rally, Mark Donnelly, and all that stuff. So I watch it and I get to the end and then the anchor says, and that's it for us. Have a great, I uh, hope you've had a great Sunday. And I'm thinking, hang on here, man. Is it not Saturday? You know, so anchors don't know what day it is. Kelsey doesn't know what who they're playing today. But you just keep on moving. Keep on trucking, everybody. Keep your head up. We'll get through everything here. But yeah, it's just kind of bizarre for everybody. The star of the All Ball podcast, CFL receiver as well, and resident good guy and friend of the show, our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J, joins us here on this Monday. Have you ever had a coach fire you up on a with a with a pep talk before a game and get the team's name wrong there by chance, Natea? No, never, never, <laughs> never, never, never. I had coaches say all sorts of stuff, you know, in pep talks, and you kind of look around the room like, wait, what did he just say? Oh, it doesn't matter. He's yelling, so we're hyped. But no, never get the teenage <laughs> wrong. I think you'd lose the room quickly if that happened. But Kelsey and the Chiefs, man, they don't care. They don't care who they're playing. They're just out there playing and having fun, right? No, it hey, doesn't matter. Hey, have you ever playing. been on the sidelines, having played well as an offense, knowing that you're about to win a football game, and then watching the DBs get beaten deep when it's the only thing that could kill you. <laughs> Have you seen that? Oh, uh, I've seen a lot. That would top it. I don't think I've ever seen that, especially that situation where, you know, the only thing that could beat you deep is uh, is a deep ball. And you've got maybe three defenders back there. It's like, that's the only thing that could beat us. Why do we have three defenders back there? Why are we sending an all-out blitz for the first time in the history of football in that situation, that would blow my mind. And that's what they're trying to tank, but that says more about, you know, bad teams just doing bad things. I mean, that's what they do. They're the Jets for a reason. Uh, there's a reason why they're the laughing stock. And I don't think really think they're trying to tank uh, because the players, they got to go out there and play. They got to try to earn paychecks. Coaches got to try to earn jobs after this because they probably likely won't be back. But, no, I've never seen uh, anything like that. I, I, Man, I am so baffled by it. Why are you calling it all-out blitz when that's the only thing that could beat you? It just didn't make any sense. I just, all I, 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 I just don't understand why you're hating as a receiver. I feel like you would salivate for that, wouldn't you? 
I yeah, but I can see both sides because if I'm on if I'm on a team and my my coaches call that play, I would be irate, right? So I'm seeing from both sides. As a receiver, I love it. I'm like, okay, I get to go deep against single coverage. There's no safety help, and all three of my receivers are really fast, like Rugs and Aguilar. Uh, you know, all run four threes. I mean, that's that's a match made in heaven. I mean, that you can't you couldn't draw that up any better, even if it was in the movies, right? They'd they'd probably make a movie of this uh, of this game because that was uh, how improbable it was. <laughs> Natea Jay joins us, our Monday morning quarterback. Let's start a couple miles south of us in Seattle, where we had looked at the Seahawks schedule and said, boy, these are some winnable games. They've been through the tough ones. Here come the Giants, no Daniel Jones. And man, you know, reading some of the stuff from, you know, other guys, NFL analysts said, you know, the problem with the Seahawks, they kind of got out physical again yeah. yesterday. And, and Russell Wilson, how did you see that? And what was a massive upset with the Giants getting over Seattle? Yeah, that was probably one of my biggest takeaways. And all credit to the Giants because they've been playing really well, right? I mean, you know, they have seven losses on the season, but six of them were by 10 points or less because that was a team that was, you know, really trying. And, you know, their main claim to fame is kind of physicality. And I thought they took it to the Seahawks, man. They up front, I mean, a lot of their rushers, you know, are bull rush type of guys, right? So they're not getting out of their lanes and they can rush four but those guys are going to push the pocket, right, and not really give Russ those big lanes that you'll see where he can scramble out and make things happen off script, right? He didn't have that opportunity. In fact, he got sacked, what, four times in that game, and it really took their offense off schedule. Uh, I, I thought that they really did get out physical. But another thing with Seattle, though, you know, I'm watching the games and I'm seeing their offense. I'm kind of, it's kind of predictable a little bit. I mean, I don't know if what you guys are seeing, but you know, I'm seeing, okay, they're going to take a deep shot to DK and then he's going to run a comeback. And then Lockett's kind of, kind of work the middle and go over and, you know, things of that nature, but it's just, they need a little bit more flexibility in that offense. I mean, you know, they try to run the ball a little bit and they're doing it well early on, but it just, you know, you watch these other teams, I mean, like like Cleveland, and you see what Stefanski is able to do with their offenses, you know, getting guys all over the field wide open, even with L.A., uh, the Rams, you know, it just you know, dialing stuff up. So I think, you know, with uh, Daryl Bevel, you kind of get – no, not complacent, but, you know, you know you have Russ back there and he's going to make incredible things happen. So, you know, I think they need to do a better job of having more flexibility with that offense. But it's hard to do when you're getting out physical, especially along that line. I mean, you could draw anything up, and if you're getting beat up on along that offensive line, nothing's going to work. Well, I mean, it's yes. I mean, you're getting beat up, you're getting pushed around, but at some point, like, we've kind of talked about this a few times now, but, Russ isn't serving up the the, the five-star gourmet meals like we saw at the beginning of the season. Like We're kind of starting to see Russ serving up the leftovers or the greasy spoon diner <laughs> affair here, it seems, these days there, Nate. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sad to see because, you know, the whole narrative going into the season was let Russ cook. And unfortunately now I think Pete Carroll might have to take some away some of his ingredients, some of his utensils, you know, some of his his cooking material because it's not working the way they, they, they draw it up, they drew it up. Um, but it goes back to, you know, just the creativity of this offense. I mean, like the teams are seeing this offense now. It's we're in week 13, right? You see we have a whole season worth of film and, we, you know, you get the tendencies, you understand what they like to do. And teams are like, you're not going to, we're not going to give you DK over the, the, over the top all the time. You're not going to do that. Find something else, right? So that's what I'm seeing with them. You got to, they got to try to be creative. And, you know, it's, it's tough because when you got a talented guy like Russ, I mean, 
uh, you, you tend to just relax and let him do his thing. But I look at I look at you know Aaron Rodgers and I look at uh, Mahomes. They're always finding creative ways to get those guys you know in, in a groove, right? So I think Seattle's got to do a better job of that. And uh, I'm, it's sad to see you, but Pete Carroll might take away some of his uh, <laughs> his cooking stuff. Um, Nateje joining us. You know, it takes a long time to shake off a reputation. There are five teams in the NFL with nine or more wins, and you can see, yeah, the Pittsburgh should be there, and the Chiefs, and the, and the and the Packers, and so forth. But also sitting there are the Cleveland Browns, who started slowly and then have just been on a roll. Do they belong there? I think they do. I, I think they do. I mean, you watch that team play. Uh, that O-line is mauling other teams. And that's uh, – honestly, this game was, you know, a mismatch because, you know, Tennessee does not rush the passer well. And Baker Mayfield had literally all day back there. I mean, I think that you look at the stats and he had probably pressured one time in that – especially that first half, pressured one time. You give any quarterback that kind of time and, you know, he's going to make things happen. But, you know – with, with Stefanski, I think he's done a fantastic job of, you know, mixing and matching uh, what he wants to do. I mean, they run heavy, but they'll get Baker moving the pocket. Everything Baker does well is what they do. Um, they'll have him catching passes. I mean, Derby Sunday even threw a pass. They, they do a great job of mixing uh, up their offense and cooking stuff up. It was a surgical performance by Stefanski. I mean, if you're watching that game, play action, run right, mixing up. The defense had no idea what was coming. And before they knew it, they're down 30, 38 to 7. So Cleveland definitely belongs there just on the strength of their o-line i mean best one of the best o-line in, in, in the in the nfl uh one of the best d-line opportunistic defense right and you know once you're ahead in these games and you know they get ahead often then they can just run lean on their own line lean on their run game and their defense can pin their ears back they got miles garrett and olivia burning be able to rush the quarterback right that's 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 a great recipe for them a great recipe going into the playoffs because you know they've been playing i mean the other than these last two weeks the Previous four games were in, you know, torrential downpour, snow, rain, uh, hail, anything you can imagine. They were playing in hurricanes. So, you know, their their type of game style suits that. And I think in the playoffs, you're going to see more bad weather and, you know, they're going to be able to last. Yeah. Just hey, kind Jay, of, see kind of how Jay, it all plays out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here. You, you with me? You got it? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we got Nate. You disappeared well. like the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, just what a fade job, man. Like, that, like at some point, you got to give credit to the Bears and like for, for six straight weeks now for them to continue to – but, like, to give it up like that in the final four minutes, I guess it's a mulligan for Detroit to kind of get back after what happened in, what, week two of the season when the Bears did the exact same thing in that fourth quarter to come back and – and find a way to beat uh, to beat the Lions. I, I want to change. I, I want to go into a different direction here, though. Uh, and you look at what the Rams do in the NFC West against Arizona. Man, it feels like all the love and the fun and all the romanticism that we had about Kyler Murray seems to have calmed down. And you know, the Cardinals have now lost three in a row, four of their last five. Uh, that's a big win for the Rams as well. I, I mean, are, are the Cards? Are the cards frauds or the Rams just starting to kind of look like a team that might be a little more legit in the NFC than we realized? Yeah, I think that's more to do with the Rams being more consistent on a week-to-week basis. I mean, they have some games where they look bad as well, but, you know, overall, 
know, this NFC NFC West has been kind of a week to week thing, right? Like we don't know who's gonna you know be good. One week is, is Seattle looks good. The next week is the Cardinals that look good. And then now the Rams is kind of you know taking over. Um, you know, they have a tiebreaker against Seattle and you know they just beat Arizona. They they look more consistent. They have you know probably the best coach in that division. Uh, Sean McVay is able to do more with less, especially with with uh, golf. I think they're a team that, you know, has taken over this division uh, at the right time. They're getting red hot at the right time. But, you know, Arizona, it's just, it's it's weird watching them because, you know, I've obviously Kyler's been dealing with the injuries the last, you know, three, four weeks. And, you know, it's really affected the way he's run the ball because he's not running the way, you know, he did, you know, previously. And uh, that that's showing. And also – they're taking away everything that he does well. And that's the thing about the NFL. And that's why it's such a week to week. These coaches are really, really good at taking away what guys, you know, love to do. And if you're not well-rounded, if you're not a, uh, you know, Mahomes or Rogers, you know, you'll get exposed. And, you know, Kyler's still young. He's still a young quarterback and he's still figuring it out. And he's got all the talent in the world. No doubt that he'll get there. But I think we just started to crown him a little too early. And uh, that that's just natural. But he's, he's you know, they're still ahead of the curve. I mean, this year they weren't really projected to, to be in the playoffs, right? And they're they're in the mix right now. I mean, you, we, we wanted them to take a step, and they've obviously taken that step. And um, but um, they're not they're not dead yet. They're the whole I mean, San Francisco's still in it at six and six, right? They're not dead yet. Um, but Arizona, I don't think they're frauds. I just think we we got on that hype train a little bit too much, and in a couple of bad games now, we're like, oh man, we're, we're rethinking it. But it's a tough division. It's a week to week thing with them. But uh, LA looks like they've they, they're the most consistent team right now. Uh, Nate, one more for me before we go, and it's about tonight. The pursuit of perfection continues for Pittsburgh. They played on Wednesday, where their head coach said they were junior varsity. Um, <laughs> They would have watched games and seen Seattle uh, look like they weren't ready. Uh, a Kansas City team that struggled to get things going. As a player, can you go, man? Look at this was this is a tough week. We've just watched some big guys get through games, some losing, and we weren't good on Wednesday. Are, are you motivated as a player to play today and go, hey, we'll we'll straighten things out. We won, but we weren't good. Yeah, you know the thing when the coach is talking like that. He is he's doing worse in, in the meeting. So they they might have won that game on Wednesday, but they went they go into meetings and their coaches are putting up all the bad plays, all the mistakes, and really getting into guys. And, and it almost feels like you lost that game, right? So guys are gonna be going into practice more motivated. Coaches gonna be uh, the head coach is gonna be talking to the assistant coaches and be like, hey, then this this isn't gonna fly another week. You know, this isn't gonna be a habit. You know, the standard needs to be the standard is what they say in Pittsburgh. So they're gonna be I I expect them to come out a lot better. It was a weird kind of game because playing on a Wednesday, your whole I mean football players are creatures or habit, right? So playing on a Wednesday, that's you typically a day you'd be practicing, you know, your body clock is all off, you're playing midday. It just, you know, that that is the result you kind of expected, you know, playing on a day like that. And that's not to make an excuse. Like both teams were bad. So I think I think I look, you know, to, to Pittsburgh to come back and you know the coaches are, are have been on the guys all week and uh, I look for a better effort this week. But you know that's that's one of those things, man. When you win, coaches will harp on you. They'll you know they'll be expectations will be raised and that they're a team that isn't trying to be undefeated. I mean, they're undefeated right now, but they're looking for playoff success. And uh, I think that's, that's what they're gearing up for, but they've got a, they've got some issues. I mean, they're short passing game. I think they're using that to mask the lack of running game, but it's just, 
I don't know how if that's the that's the answer. It's a lot of flaws right now in Pittsburgh. So I think they've got to shore shore some things up, and I look forward to um, against Washington. Washington is a tough opponent too. The Tay, uh, thanks for this. You got a double dip uh, Monday night football games later on tonight. So uh, enjoy the action, and we will talk to you again on next Monday. All right, stay safe out there. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, All talk right. to you next week. Stay safe. Thanks, you too. There he is from the All Ball Podcast, Natea J, our Monday morning quarterback, uh, diving around the National Football League. Here's what scares me tonight about the Steelers, if, if people want to chase uh, a little action on Pittsburgh here tonight. Next week, it's the Bills. This feels like the donut game, right? This is the donut game, I would think, for the Pittsburgh Steelers with Washington. Um this is one that would make me nervous if I was going to try and think that the Steelers are going to continue to take care of business because you had the Ravens last week, you got the quick turnaround this week, and you've got Buffalo next Sunday. You know, in your quest for perfection and trying to keep the good times rolling, like next week is a huge AFC tilt, right? Big statement. I mean, the Bills got they got a big one tonight against the Niners as well, but the Bills look to be legit in the AFC this year. I mean, you, you, what, they're 8-3 and three in pair. One of those losses came at like a Hail Mary heartbreaker to Kyler Murray mm-hmm. and DeAndre Hopkins, right, at, you know, at the end of the game. I think tonight could be a little bit of a dangerous one that Washington might linger a little longer or a little more than people expect tonight. Uh, Washington's got a good defense. They've got a decent running game. It's funny, you look at uh... – what was it a couple of weeks ago? Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs. How do you motivate those guys? Travis Kelsey didn't even know who they played yesterday. And we heard that. Uh, yeah, the Raiders have a good team. No, no, no. You just beat the Broncos. Um, Andy Reid gives it, you know, when they played the Raiders, hey, man, they drove their bus around our stadium, did a couple laps. Like, I'm not saying I'd do that. I just want to remind the guys that, hey, last time we played them, that's what they did. Um, so maybe there's in the middle of a season, hey, here's a little refocus. And I wonder if that was Mike Tomlin. You know, Tim makes a good point to play a Wednesday afternoon game. I think it was the first time it had been played in, in a couple of decades in the NFL. And he comes back and they win. And he goes, that's junior varsity. Like you were terrible. And they weren't very good at all. So there's your motivation for what you speak to. Yeah, they're looking at the next couple of weeks. They're going, oh, the Buffalo Bills team would be pretty good. If they win on Monday, we win on Monday. That's going to be a good football game. Um, but they, you know, those teams are preparing to get into the postseason. And to see what they can do. And I think perfection is something that's very interesting. And you're a couple weeks away from, you know, finding where the 72 Dolphins are. I think they'll be better, though, um, because good football teams just keep on rolling. And you get to this point, you can have your bad games. And when you have a bad game and win like they did on Wednesday, I would expect they bounce back. And I'm looking forward to, and James, this is not because all my Perry bets were based around Buffalo. And I've had a tremendous Sunday. And now I've got the Bills riding on everything. I'm looking forward to watching the Bills play on a Monday night. They deserve to be there. They're a good football team. Yeah. And they take on a San Francisco team that, you know, has surprised. But I'm looking forward to the Bills tonight, too. A couple of good football games. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, it's obviously a lot at stake. Uh, you got another, you know, an NFC West rival. So, you know, a lot of Seahawks fans still curious to see how things will play out with the hated Niners. If you're a Seahawks fan, if you're a, if you're one of the 12s, but look at the NFC playoff picture right now, and it's funny. Like as disappointing a loss as it was for Seattle yesterday, getting spanked by 34-year-old Col- Colt McCoy at quarterback, 
who gets the win throwing for 105 yards yesterday. But the playoff picture right now, the Seahawks going into today are the five seed in the NFC. Mm -hmm. Their tentative first-round matchup in the playoffs would be against the Giants, who right now sit atop the NFC East. The beleaguered, the soft NFC East. The Giants just went into Seattle and beat Seattle, so this is not a layup. But if you look at it right now, the the Saints are the number one seed. Packers are two. They'd have Minnesota. You got the Rams, which would be the three seed, and they'd have Tom Brady and the Bucks. And then you got the Giants and the Seahawks. I'll say this. If you had to pick your poison going into the playoffs and you don't have a bye in the first round, are you not favoring your matchup against a sub-500 team in the NFC East as the division champs? I think you'd take well, that matchup sure. all day. Anybody who gets the NFC East, whoever comes out of there, that's a win. Playoffs aren't going to mean so much as far as home field because you're not going to have all the noise. So, I mean, even tonight's game, San Francisco, of course, because of Santa Clara health, they'll be playing in Arizona. So there's, it's a neutral site game for the Niners. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, but I, I don't think you worry about who you're playing. It's how you're playing. And, you know, take the Seahawks over the last five weeks. They haven't been playing very well. So that would be the issue that I think scares a lot of the people. Um, they need to be better. Russell up this morning said, it's, you know, it's another day. Bring on the day. Yeah, but your most important days are Sunday, and you weren't very good yesterday. So you're going to have to figure it out and figure it out quickly. Where the Rams are starting to focus, and I don't know as much as it's Arizona was kind of put on a pedestal too quickly. Or whether the Rams, with that defense, eventually they're going to cause turnovers and Goff and the, and the weapons that he has are, are, are finding a rhythm at the right time. They're the one football team in the West that I think, okay, they could do some damage with what they have on both sides of the ball. I just want to point out, just for clarification purposes here, Perry, um, you know, my friend Carl, who is a diehard Texas Longhorns fan, is all excited over the fact that Colt McCoy got a win yesterday in the NFL. I'd just like to point out to Carl, there are three current Oklahoma quarterbacks that were in action yesterday uh, in the National Football League as not only Kyler Murray making things happen, Baker Mayfield making things happen, but we should also point out that Jalen Hurts also replaced Carson Wentz yesterday as mm -hmm. well in Philadelphia, so shout out to the Oklahoma Sooners and all that quarterbacking that's getting done at the new quarterback factory. Uh, we should also remind you uh, this morning that we've got a pretty sweet prize we want to hook you up with somewhere between now and 9 o'clock this morning. The uh, Vancouver Canucks are holding a hot stove event coming up on Friday, December 11th, and we have a, an opportunity for you to be part of the VIP Canuck alumni meet and greet and dinner delivered to your house coming up this Friday. It's hosted by uh, Dan Murphy, uh, Kevin BX is going to be a big part of this, and plus a couple of other surprise alumni guests. And we want you to be there and pair. It's real simple how to get uh, your name registered this morning. Hey, the Dumber Lumber text line is 650-650. So we thought, okay, you want to be part of this exclusive VIP Canucks alumni meet and greet. BX is there. Murph is there. They'll have some special guests. So we'll let you play our role of asking questions. Text us the question you would like to ask Kevin BXA. Put your name on it. Uh, we've had some great submissions thus far. I love the fact that some people are thinking outside of the box. But text the question to 650-650. What you would ask Kevin BX if you had the opportunity. Uh, we will pick the winner. Well, we won't. Someone in this plethora that make up the starting lineup will come up with the uh, the winner. We'll announce that uh, shortly after 830. So your chance. Hey, what's going on on a Friday night? You're not going to any Christmas parties. You're just hanging out in your house. 
You will get a link. You will get a dinner delivered to you. I think a beverage comes with it, all sent to your home. And you could watch this Canucks hot stove. What would you ask Juice? Kevin BX at Texas 65650. We'll give him the answer a little bit later on. Hey, uh, coming up, James, something that's going to be an awful lot of fun. A guy who was in the news, or was he this weekend? <laughs> well, the Canucks uh, fired off or punted on an anthem singer. Uh, after uh, supporting an anti-mask rally and certainly the story of conversation over the weekend here in Vancouver. But if your name was Mark Donnelly, it wasn't all roses, even if you weren't an anthem singer. We'll explain that story next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. With James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Well, former Canucks anthem singer now, Mark Donnelly, making headlines again. A few years ago, it was for bailing over the red carpet on the ice in the middle of an anthem and uh, didn't miss a beat. Uh, this time, he may have missed the mark in a big way after uh, he was taking part in an anti-mask rally over the weekend. And when the Canucks owner, Francesco Aquilini, found out about a Perry, he didn't take too kindly of it, basically letting him know on social media and letting everybody know, essentially, at the same time Friday night that, uh, you know what? We're done. We're done. And the beauty of social media, right, is is the reaction is just immediate. So you hear about this story. So what does uh, Francesco do? I'm going to go right at Twitter. I'm going to tell the Vancouver Sun, change that headline. He is the ex-singer. So what do fans, you know, the 18,000, the millions that have watched the Canucks and watched Mark Donnelly and embraced in the singing of the national anthem do, how do they vent if they're in their stay at home and, and he can't do anything? Go to social media. You know what? I'm going to give Mark Donnelly a piece of my mind too. <laughs> and that's what a lot of them did on Friday night. They reached out for Mark Donnelly and said, hey, here's here's what I think of you, my friend. Didn't but go didn't, well. But they didn't necessarily find the uh, the right uh, Mark Donnelly. Um, as uh, um, There's a Mark Donnelly who was verified on Twitter, uh, who covers uh, Sunderland overseas, and uh, took to Twitter and said, apparently there's a Canadian opera singer called Mark Donnelly who's been causing quite a stir by refusing to wear a mask. He doesn't have Twitter, but I do. My mentions have made for interesting reading this morning and uh, thousands of people uh, taking note of Mark's uh, tweet. And uh, we thought we would check in overseas this morning with uh, one Mark Donnelly, the Sunderland writer. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, give it, Give us a sense of what the weekend's been like for you. Uh, interesting is probably the, the best word. I mean, my, my first concern when I woke up on Saturday morning and saw my phone screen lighting up very quickly was uh, I knew Sunderland were about to appoint a new head coach and I was slightly worried I'd slept in and missed it. Um, <laughs> when I thought Twitter was a little bit busy. So there was a slight bit of relief when I realised it wasn't that. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been pretty much non-stop since then with um, some... Very nice tweets and some, maybe some not-so-nice ones, but the, the very nice ones, thankfully, have, have outweighed the not-so-nice ones. Yeah, I was going to say, Mark, and, and you know, there's there's a connection. You cover Sunderland soccer where Carl Robinson played. He was once the Vancouver Whitecaps head coach. 
but we're known in Canada to be polite. I'm fearful that when you saw all these messages sent to you as it happened when you would have been sleeping, uh, you know, uh, the majority of them were nice or did you couple, couple people go at it with you? I think by the time I'd woken up, people had started to realize I maybe wasn't the Mark Donnelly they were looking for. Um, so there were a lot of very, very nice ones had come in by that point. Uh, and probably the last 24 hours has been 99% really nice, really apologetic uh, messages for, for people. Obviously quite sorry for the fact that I've been confused with, with their Mark Donnelly. So you've met, you met, Canucks Twitter essentially over the weekend, um, which is known to be uh, spicy on a good day. Give us some examples. Like, uh, is there is there anything? Is there, were there any that stood out? Um, I mean, there were a lot of requests for me to record a video of myself singing uh, "Oh Canada," which I don't think anyone would particularly like to hear. Um, <laughs> or yeah, um, probably not the best thing for anyone to hear that. To be honest with you. That's probably the one that stood out and probably has been the most frequent request has been for me to to sing that in my kind of English accent, which, yeah, I don't think anyone would like to hear that. Uh, you're a sports guy. You're a sports writer. Did you know of the Canucks? Do you follow a little bit of hockey? I knew of the Canucks. I can't say I'm a, I follow hockey uh, particularly, but I, I think I will certainly be keeping a very, very close eye on there, on them now, and uh, probably they will be adopted as my, my hockey team now. <laughs> understandably so mark donnelly uh sunderland football writer as opposed to uh former canucks anthem singer with us here on sportsnet 650 uh give us a sense of what the the day-to-day is like these days you know i feel like like did you get a sense like because you cover sunderland have a lot of people now discover the club because of the whole sunderland till i die on on netflix i, I my next door neighbor's a diehard Sunderland supporter. He's been on me for the last six months. Like, have you watched it oh, yet? Have you watched it that yet? That doc is fantastic. Uh, has it has yeah. it great? Has it given even more popularity to the club? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's been huge for the football club, even in terms of in attracting kind of potential investors into the football club. It's been huge. You know, everyone certainly everyone here has seen it, and I know it's really big in the states and in, and in Canada. It's been absolutely huge for the. The football club, obviously, it's a real shame that they didn't have a kind of happier ending, especially to the second series. But, um, yeah, it's unlike probably any sporting documentary you'll ever see. And that is pretty much what Sunderland's like, to be honest with you. That's a pretty accurate representation, especially in terms of the fans you see who are just so passionate and so dedicated and really deserve something good. And hopefully that, that kind of comes really soon for them. Mark, I, I am not lying when I tell you uh, my wife is from Britain. I get into that series, and I traveled with the Vancouver Whitecaps for five years, so soccer's been my thing. I said, honey, look at the price of real estate in Sunderland. This would be awesome to just pack up and follow this team. It is so well done, and it's not about success. It's just about passion. Shipyards is on my playlist, the song from that. Um, does that change at all, or is that kind of the guarantee? Because certainly – you had a team in the stadium of lights that, you know, you want something more. Now you're in league one. Um, does it get frustrating or every weekend and every game, is there just a whole bunch of optimism in that town because of your fan base? I think it's probably been frustrating this season because, you know, as I said, they were looking for a new head coach recently. They've, they've just appointed him because things haven't gone particularly well this season. And as you say, they're still in league one for the third year and, 
it's been probably difficult because in England at the moment, we're still playing uh, games in front of empty stadiums. So we don't have any fans in at all. So Sunderland, who usually have 30,000, are playing in front of maybe 30 people. So it's a little bit different. And it probably has been frustrating this year because people are having to watch it through screens rather than, than obviously being there themselves. But in a normal season, it is like you see on the documentary every week. The fans are so passionate. They go to these grounds in League One, most of which are a lot, lot smaller than the Stadium of Light and absolutely pack them out. And it's just, a, it's an incredible club to cover. It's an incredible uh, city to be ingrained in because football just drives everything. And Sunderland Football Club is just the big thing in the city. And it, it's just incredible to to be a small part of that. Well, and you were a small part of the passion that is the Vancouver Canucks and their fan base. Mark Donnelly, the verified Mark Donnelly in Twitter, not the opera singer, but the reporter for Sunderland. Hey, Mark, thanks for this, man. Thanks for being a good sport. I hope most of those messages were of positive variety. And uh, one day you get to Vancouver and watch a Canucks game because just tell them who you are, show your ID. They'll buy you drinks all night long. And sing the anthem. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, if he could sing, oh, wouldn't that have been something else, Seaball? If he could sing and just throws it up on social media, ding him, oh, Canada. Well, I mean, like, honestly, if, if like, how, how many words? Okay, I, I would say a lot of people would probably know the words to Star Spangled Banner because, you know, you hear it so often from the mm-hmm. American influence. But outside of O Canada and maybe, I think people could probably get through most of the Star Spangled Banner. But how many other anthems would you know? And I, I like, I, I wonder from Mark's standpoint, like how many words from O Canada would he know? Right? Well, no, because how often does he hear it other than an international That's competition? It. Yeah. And it, it's not like we're winning a whole bunch of medals in the, in the summer Olympics. Right. And it, it's not like England's a massive player in the winter. Olympics. Your wife, your wife but, was born in England. Uh, yes. Could you, could yeah. like, could you sing God save the queen? No. Do you know any words no, I, to it? Well, I know some of it. Yeah. But I uh, couldn't okay. sing God save the queen. Yeah. Uh, you know what I used to, used to uh, hum to Hannah when she was a, a baby putting her to, uh, to sleep was the Russian national anthem. For all you young parents out there, honestly, you're trying to rock your child to bed. Just think of it. Na, 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 na. Honestly, that's what I did. Yeah. That was my go-to every night. I should have learned the words, but I think the Russian national anthem is a great national anthem. Oh, buddy, you're talking about a guy who grew up watching wrestling, Nikolai Volkov, singing the anthem yes. before every match, right? Like, you kind of felt like I knew a little bit of the Russian national I could, I, At least I could muddy my way at least staying like the hummet. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great anthem. Was he singing the words? Were those legit? Or were they so uh, much like they could have cared less that I'm just going to make that up every time he goes into the ring? I don't know. I, I think he I think he had the words to it. I mean, I, I could not verify that, but I always thought he could carry a tune fairly solid. I mean, I think a lot of people probably thought the same thing. Like, as evil as he was, and man, like, my goodness, like the first ever event I ever went to as a kid, like in 1985, there's still like the Cold War, like, you know, Rocky and Drago, Rocky Four is around that same time. Like, I just remember him standing there singing the anthem and people throwing like the amount of garbage, <laughs> right? Like people throwing a full cup of pop or full beers, whipping it at this guy's head and not budging. Like you th- imagine trying to carry a tune while people are just throwing crap at you, and he just owned it, just singing the Russian national anthem and like popcorn, garbage, 
people, whatever they could get their hands on, throwing it and hitting him in the head and in the face all over. Didn't miss a beat. No, and that's why I question, though. you're Because it didn't matter what he was saying. You're just, oh, it's a Russian. We hate him. <laughs> but the Russian national anthem is a wonderful anthem to, to put kids to bed. Na, I should... na, na, na. I, I've always loved it. <laughs> And you know the, what? I'll tell you a story. Lullaby. So we're up at the, we're up at the Olympics, uh, yes. and um, Usher's playing. Right? They had the uh, they had the musical acts up in Whistler, mm-hmm. at Whistler Park, and I'm I'm getting in to watch it. And Hannah and, and Kathy are with me. They'd come up to spend a couple of days, and we're going in. And there's a guy trying to uh, get in there, and he's talking his way in. It's it's Trevor. And so Lyndon and I are sitting watching it. He goes, "God, this is a great national anthem." I say, "I know, isn't it?" And it, it is. It's just it's a nice start, the Russian national anthem. So there you go. Mark Donnelly, learn our national anthem. Maybe when times are better, they'd bring him here to watch a Canucks game. But I'm, I'm glad to hear most of the people who reached out to him once they realized it were, hey, man, sorry. And uh, But can you imagine waking up and seeing, I think he had over a couple hundred uh, tweets at him and didn't start off very well. Dude, he's got a tweet, like, you know, mentioning the fact that, you know, Mark Donnelly, there's another Mark Donnelly anthem singer. It's got like over 5,000 mentions <laughs> from his tweet from from uh, from the weekend from his experience. So, uh, hey, look, it was a it was a big story here and it certainly hit home. And you know what? It made international headlines. Uh, we'll get into this more coming up on your Canucks commute at eight o'clock. Corey Hirsch will join us as well. Uh, Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst uh, coming up at the top of the hour. And in a moment, hey, if you didn't get enough of the good times with Mike Tyson's return to the ring in that charity boxing match against Roy Jones and you didn't get enough of Jake Paul, well, guess what? Logan stepping in the ring, and it's not against Evander Kane as much as Evander wanted. No, he's stepping into the ring against one of the GOATs. That's next right here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Ten minutes to eight o'clock on this Monday morning, and uh, oh, everybody wants a fight. Everybody wants a fight. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is now stepping back into the ring for an exhibition match against YouTube sensation or personality, if you will, Logan Paul. So, so Floyd had he retired in 2017 after he beat Conor McGregor in a different kind of exhibition, but you know he had proved his record to 50 and 0. And then he fought a kickboxer two years ago uh, against a guy named Tenshin Nasukawa and beat him and made another $9 million. But they're doing this on pay-per-view. And, and Perry, what's interesting to me is what the the price tag for this, they're offering it for about 25 bucks right now. But as you get closer and closer to the fight, the price gets higher and higher. So the first $1 million buys for this will be 24.99 but anything over it it starts climbing up to like 70 bucks okay so like correct me if i'm wrong i'm not the youtube guy mm-hmm. it wasn't a jake paul who who fought nate robinson yes like we got we got two paul brothers right yes so this is not jake who we saw fight two weeks ago or some fought in the tyson card this is this is his brother logan um and is logan has logan been in the ring before Yes, he has actually. He he actually fought another YouTube personality named KSI, 
um, and and Logan lost that fight in a split decision. It has nothing to do with the sport. I can't believe Mayweather, who has made so much money, still needs to do it. But when you look at it, you're looking at both of these fighters going into their respective corners with over 20 million followers on social media. So it's just, all right, you know what? If you can get, you know, uh, you can get a percentage of your guys to follow and I can get my guys and automatically they jump on it. We're making money. It doesn't even matter what the product looks like. That's exactly what we're seeing now. And I just don't know who YouTube. It's a different demographic that's buying into this. I don't see anyone who's a sports fan or a fight fan that says, yeah, I'm all in. I'll buy it now, too. So I don't pay for it when it gets close to fight. Time. I See, I. I... I dis I disagree. I think there is. Oh man! And you know what? And I'll say this, pair. I think the curiosity factor for, you know, I think young people. And I'll I'll look at my my nephew as an example. You know, he's fifteen. He's turned sixteen in a couple of weeks, and he was all over wanting to see Tyson fight. Right to 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 see mm-hmm. Tyson step back into the ring. So you know he totally ordered the fight last week. He was totally amped up to go and see it. My sister signed off on letting him watch it, and so you know, and he just thought it was the greatest thing, right? And then obviously the buzz that you know surrounding the, the knockout of Nate Robinson at the hands of Jake Paul. So I think you get a little bit of the sideshow, and then you have the curiosity of the athlete, and for some people that hey. Do you want to see arguably the greatest fighter? Well, I mean, I think the greatest fighter of his generation, Floyd Mayweather. I don't think that's a, 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 a debate. I mean, just what Floyd did. Um, but you look at where he is at. So you'll get Floyd Mayweather. The guy loves his money. He loves the sideshow. I mean, he's done wrestling in the past pair. He did the Conor McGregor fight and made a truckload of money doing that. Like, Floyd is a smart businessman. May not be a great guy. But he is a smart businessman, and he'll let this fight linger for a little bit, dance around, make sure you get paid. Snoop Dogg's already offered to lend his voice for this fight as well, so who doesn't want to hear Snoop calling, oh, Lord, one more time, and Yeah, but it's like the concert. Tyson Jones, he had two boxers, two legitimately boxers who at their best would be called pound for pound the best fighter in the world. But in their mid-50s, right? You're bringing a YouTube guy in. Like Mayweather's there, too, against a YouTube guy. Now, if that wants to be the fun, hey, this will be the fun kind of theatrical fight. The best fighters in the world couldn't tag Mayweather when he was going. How's a YouTube guy going to do it? Now, here's what I would do. If I'm boxing, then put a legitimate fight amongst the five or six you're having that night. So if you got all these eyeballs on the YouTube and and Floyd, great. uh, But put a legitimate fight in there and try and grow the fight. This is is for the kids. It's not for anybody sports. You honestly think Mayweather is putting anything on the line? By fighting someone, it's like him walking into a bar. Hey, I'm tougher than you. Really? I mean, he was the best in the world, and they couldn't hit him when he when he was in his zone. He's not losing a fight to a guy who's on YouTube. He's making money because that guy's got 20 million followers. I wouldn't put it in the same category as Tyson Jones, two legitimate world champions. No, but there's still the curiosity factor. And when you step in the yeah. ring for boxing, man, everybody's got a puncher's chance, right? You just you, you hit the right shot. No, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's that curiosity. Like, look, Conor McGregor, man. Like, look at the pay-per-view buys. What was it, 4 million buys for that pay-per-view? That, yeah, did anybody think that Conor McGregor a had a champ. shot? And we all bought it. This is like watching a guy put a nail through his nose. I'm not into it. <laughs> 
Well, it seemed like a lot of people were into it for Mike Tyson, who hadn't fought in 15 years and quit the while he was in his 30s and came back in his mid-50s, and people yeah. seemed to overwhelmingly love what that happened. So I'm sure, I'm going to guess that people are going to buy this one as well uh, coming up in February. All right, your Canucks commute just around the corner. Corey Hirsch, Hershey will drop on by for the conversation as well. Canucks need apparently a new anthem singer and much, much more. All still ahead here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. I think with Larianov, you're going to see a transition to the puck possession, speed, skill, some old school regroup type of um, activity from their club. And I think Pod Colson will thrive in that. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. Eight o'clock, two minutes after eight o'clock here on this uh, Monday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and uh, this is your Canucks commute. We'll be joined by Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst and uh, Olympic medalist Corey Hirsch uh, coming up in just a couple of moments. Uh, a reminder that this hour, a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at Dunbar Lumber. Dot com. Uh, we've got some uh, Anthem Gate, I guess we'll get to here momentarily. But first things first, Pair, um, get those submissions in. We've got quite the prize up for grabs, a special VIP with dinner included in a virtual Canucks hot stove coming up this Friday, Pair. Yeah, we do. And uh, just Canucks commute. This is the perfect thing for you on Friday night, December 11th. The Canucks will have a hot stove event. Uh, Dan Murphy will be hosting it along with Kevin Bieksa. And they'll have some special uh, guests. Uh, you have a chance to win here. Uh, they'll serve you dinner and get a beverage to you to watch this. Now, this is an exclusive. There's the public event. But if you win tickets to this one, and we're giving away on our show, they'll be giving one away on the program later this afternoon. It is a behind the scenes. It's like backstage. So here you go. It's your meet and greet. You get a chance to talk to all these guys virtually before they go on the public form. So that's your opportunity. How do you win, you ask? Text us on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Kevin Bieksa is one of the players involved. We need to know a question you would like to ask Kevin Bieksa. Submit him. We've got some great submissions. Give us some more. We will pick the winner, announce the winner between 830 and 9. But it's your exclusive chance to go behind the scenes and talk to the players before they talk to the season ticket holders in this public event. For them, your chance to win it here thanks to the starting lineup. Love it. Uh, so we'll announce a winner uh, before we sign off at 9 o'clock this morning and 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. So over the weekend, Pear, um, it was pretty much the story here locally uh, in Metro Vancouver and uh, <laughs> certainly making uh, headlines uh, not just here either in Vancouver but like uh, across the country uh, in the United States as well and and parts around the world, but Mark Donnelly, longtime anthem singer for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, it was announced that he was going to take part in a anti-mask rally, which there's been several of these going on in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery for pretty much uh, the last several weeks. And I mean, and, and the numbers get pretty big. I mean, you get a couple thousand people that are out there and, and they're pretty vocal as they go on their marches through the city. Um, but Mark Donnelly was going to take part and sing the anthem as he did on Saturday. And Francesco Aquilini, I guess, caught wind of this and said, yeah, you can uh, make him a former uh, Canucks anthem singer and pretty much publicly fired him on social media, which, you know, some people have taken issue with the fact and, and the public sort of way. Was it unprofessional on Aquilini's part? I got no problem with this. If you've got a business that you are 
absolutely bleeding money right now because you can't have thousands of fans in attendance and you're losing over a million dollars in revenue every night that you miss out on a home game uh, since, what, the beginning of March. I mean, look, the NHL's still trying to figure out if they can get up off the ground for this upcoming season, which I'm sure they will. But, man, I don't blame Francesco. You got a guy who's an independent contractor whose name is attached to your brand, and he's going out and doing this, showing up at anti-mask rallies, that which kind of flies in the face of public safety and what is going on right now and hurting your business. Man, I would say, I'm done with you. Absolutely. And I don't think there's a whole HR process to go through with this. If it's a guy who just shows up for, for a one-off here, there, and everywhere, you're done. Well, why did they ask Mark Donnelly? Because they recognize Mark Donnelly as a public figure. And why is Mark Donnelly a public figure? Because of the platform he was given by the Vancouver Canucks. He doesn't have that platform right now because of COVID. And this business isn't running because of it. So him going to essentially say, hey, I believe in what you guys are doing. I'll certainly help your event out by singing. And in doing so, you know, essentially giving the middle finger to the people who employ him and gave him that platform. I had no problem with, and I actually chuckled and get good for Francesco. Didn't really take a lot of time for him to figure it out. Just going, yeah, Vancouver Sun, Vancouver Canucks anthem singer singing at the protest. Make that the ex-anthem singer. I can't believe Mark Donnelly didn't realize him going to participate in this was likely going to end the relationship that he had with the team. Now, a lot of people have replied on this. Uh, it's our poll question this morning. 85% of you think the owner was right. Derek said, I don't believe he should have done it by a tweet. He's been with your organization for years. Call him and talk. Those micro conversations are what the world is missing right now. You only drive him further into his beliefs at a poster child by doing it publicly. Yeah, there's some logic to that, Derek. But at the end of the day, you're losing millions of dollars. This guy wasn't there constantly for you. You've tried new singers. He kind of decided moving on. And a lot of people are thinking, yeah, you know what? Let's move on with him. He's had his time. That's the 2011 part regime that he was a big part of. Let's move on. And I think most people are in agreement with what the Canucks did over the weekend. You know, and I think that's that's exactly it. Like, how did the Canucks find out? And my sense is that they probably found out publicly themselves, right? Going, what? He's doing this? He's got his name? Like, yeah. and hey, it's Canucks anthem singer. It's not just, hey, it's singer uh, Mark Donnelly. It's Canucks anthem singer. And that's kind of how he's defined. Let's bring in Corey Hirsch into this conversation here. Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst on this Monday morning. As, uh, I, I, you know, can you sing? I know you can play guitar there, Hershey. Can you carry oh, a tune? Because they might need need a few oh. dates for uh, anthem singing here going forward sir oh i you might not like it but i can sing <laughs> you, ah. you might go he can't sing but i'll tell you what i can sing i know i can <laughs> you can sing i think we've we've heard you on hangout uh, quietly strumming yeah, man i can you know what it's hard it's i'm okay but it's when you when i start playing guitar and trying to sing at the same time so I got my right hand going, my left hand going, my brain going, and my mouth going at the same time. It's like, I, I can't even, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of things for me to do at once. So it's a little bit harder, a lot harder, actually. But what's going on? I got a dog outside that just so that just will not shut up the sporty, and it's driving me bonkers. Perry, I know you got dogs. What do you do when that happens? Uh, yell. <laughs> well, listen. How old you? How old Bark collar. He's 
three. Oh, the bark collar. We've tried that. Yeah, he's yeah. he's three, and there's a coyote that roams out back. So he, he, anything that moves, he barks at, even if even if it's not the coyote. So it's like I, I just want to right now. I I don't know what to do with him. So I've got a dog for sale right now. I will pay you a hundred dollars to take it. How's that sound? Uh, don't give up. Yeah, we, we got one like that that's bad too. There's nothing he can do I, because it's he's being you know he's he's being it's uh, watchful, yeah. right? No he's one's coming into your house. That is true. That is true. What's going on today, guys? What's happening this week? We're getting closer. Well, uh, Joey Kemmer just saying that uh, Jacob Markstrom on Instagram said he's making his way to Calgary right now. And yeah. curious, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to see that from a lot of players. But from a Markstrom perspective and a Braden Holpe perspective, they come into new teams, which means new goalie coaches. What yeah. does that change for them? Uh, the first little bit. Not much, um, but usually it's going to take until probably a good three, four months. Um, to it's really, to yeah, so that's this year won't be, they won't be able to do much. Like, uh, uh, you're not going to see a lot of changes. You'll see them, you, you see them usually after Christmas in a regular season, whether it's the a goalie coach makes changes or not. Uh, if, if Braden Holtby's going to benefit a lot from Ian Clark in his style of play, I think it's going to really help him clean a lot up. Braden Holtby's had a lot of good goalie coaches, though. Um, but I think it'll help him be more consistent. So if I look at Ian Clark, he took um, Markstrom, who's very athletic, but you know there was holes in his game and, and he'd overplay stuff. Braden Holtby's the same way. So I think that, you know, he's going to be able to do some good things for Braden Holtby's game. I think he's going to be able to help him clean up and be more consistent. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there's talk that uh, I think uh, Jordy Ben also uh, quarantining over on Vancouver Island right now as well. So guys slowly starting to make their way back. So there are some encouraging signs. You know, as you touched on with Holpe, that like this is a this is a curious one for me here because how do you how do you navigate this? Um, like you know, you've got a guy who's got the Stanley Cup, right? He's got a Vesna Trophy but obviously has had a couple of speed bump uh, seasons here in the last couple of years since hoisting the Stanley Cup. Um, and then you kind of have the hot shot kid who's, you know, poised to be the future of the franchise and had a, a great finish to the year. But, you know, I think there's still, it's still such a small body of work. Like, do you essentially rotate night to night or, or do you give somebody a chance to be a number one here for the next uh, oh, oh, yeah. upcoming season? Here, it's going to be quick. Right, yeah. I mean, it's only been going to be fifty games, uh, it, maybe fifty-five mm -hmm. at most. And so, so they, I think you're just, they're just going to have to ride a hot hand uh, for this. But if it was a normal season, I think you would probably start as Braden Holtby, you know, giving him the ball a little bit, and then get Demko, and then as soon as Demko, you know, starts playing well, you let him run with it. Uh, Braden Holtby is very similar to Jacob Markstrom's career. Uh, very similar um, in the sense that very athletic, very good goalie, but was very inconsistent for a lot of years. Um, and then Jacob Markstrom just in this last couple of years has really turned it around. I think Braden Holtby's ready to be kind of in that situation. I think Braden Holtby's only going to get better with the Canucks, uh, but Demko's your guy, right? So you got to, I would take this year and I would play Demko as much as I can. I'd give him as much experience as I can. Cause I think we've talked on the show, you guys and I, that, that this year would be a great year if they could win a Stanley cup, but we're realistically, we're looking at next season again. Right. And then next year you are all in. Um, and that's why Demko needs to play a ton of games this year. So you think he should play or will play more than Braden Holpe? I do. I, I think it would be a mistake if they didn't. And, and, well, and Demko's play is going to dictate that, right? If he doesn't play well, he hasn't earned it. You got, well, you can't, you can't just, you know, he's got to play well. 
but I can I be the one on crazy pills? Can I yeah, be the one ahead. on crazy pills here this morning, then Hershey, for just a quick second? Here's absolutely. Here's, here's just here's I took maybe. Mine. Okay, well, perfect. Well, he, but here's here's something just a pie in the sky thought. Like, let's play what if yes. it was a, you know, I think Disney Plus is going to create a what if series based on the old Marvel comic. But what if like, Braden Holpe is the same age as Jacob Markstrom. And Jacob yeah. Markstrom just signed a six-year deal for thirty-six million dollars. Got paid in a big way. He's yep. the same. They're the same age. There's four months between those two. You got yeah. a guy who's won a Vesna Trophy. You got a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. What if Braden Holtby finds his groove in being Braden Holtby, Vesna Trophy winner, Stanley yeah. Cup guy again? Like. Does that change at all the plans going forward for the Vancouver Canucks where you've got a guy who's 31, who is, what, $4 million cap hit for the next two years? Like, if, if, if Thatcher Demko's hitting speed bumps and all of a sudden Braden Holtby oh, yeah. is kind of re... Like, all of a sudden, like, he sits up, he's pulled an undertaker, and it's like, he's alive! Like, Braden Holtby's <laughs> back! Like, that could... Like, what happens in that event? I mean, I, I think there's some people that it may like it may sound silly to some, but I, is it not possible? I, he's still a young Absolutely guy. It is. J- James, you're you're talking sense here on your show. Like this isn't this is thank you for you. What's going thank on? Thank you. Yeah. I know. I know. It's Monday. <laughs> no, you, you, uh, like I'm saying, you you play Demko as much as you can, but he's got to earn it too, right? And if Braden Holtby's playing above his head and standing you're winning every game because of Braden Holby well you know you got to do what you got to do right because maybe Braden Holby's your it maybe Demko is ends up being whatever right but I'm just saying you have to give Demko that opportunity to play you, but you can't let the team flounder if Demko doesn't play well right but if Demko takes the ball and runs with it he's the guy you got to give it to just because of his age and how much he's younger but if he doesn't and Braden Holby goes out there and these lights out absolutely Absolutely. You know, it's you can't just let your, your team flounder because you want to play Thatcher Demko. He's got to play well, too. But if he plays well, you got to play him as much as you can. I can understand play the hot goalie. But when you're going to have a short preseason, one or two yeah. games, a short training camp, do you go by resume and reputation? And who starts the first game of the regular season? Would it be Holpe in your view or would you give it to Demko? Yeah, you give it to Demko. Uh, you, 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 you let Demko know that if he wants it, it's his, um, and, and give him that chance. But you know, if he gets off to a slow start and the other guy plays better, well then now you've got a dilemma, but you, you got to get Demko's your guy. You, you, you let Markstrom walk because you believe yeah. in Demko, right? So he's your guy. You got to give him the chance and his, and his age, his age is a big, is a big factor, right? He's young. So uh, there's a reason that they didn't want to pay Markstrom at that age that kind of money, right? They don't want to do that with Holtby either. Holtby's a good goalie, and I'm, I'm a huge fan. I know, I know Braden, and he's such a good person. My goodness, he's one of the best people out there in the game. Um, but in the same sense, Demko's your guy right now, so you've got to give him a chance to take it first. He gets the first crack, in my opinion. Yeah, I, 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 think, that's, I think that's fair, and obviously the way that he excited this fan base and, and, and this – franchise with just how he stood on his head like that might be one three of the greatest goaltending game like performances like a three-game run like that with all due respect to McLean and and Hirsch and Garrett and and Luongo like you know but I mean like a three-game suitcase Smith the Gary suitcase uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) but you you look at like that three-game run 
I mean, that's probably yeah. got to be as good a three-game stretch as we've ever seen in franchise history. Um, just to the numbers in that NHL put history. Up. Well, and and uh, and right? with the like, season on the line too, right? To do that for three consecutive games and to kind of hold off and and continue to kind of keep the team alive and, yeah. and and give the and give this fan base a sense of hope, right? Like I I get that, but I mean there is something there with Braden Holtby coming in that, you know, look the the numbers would say he's gone in the wrong direction the last few years, but. The guy, like, if you had to compare resumes, like, whose resume or whose body of work would you rather have, Jacob Markstrom or Braden Holpies? Give me the Vesta yeah. in the cup, man, like, all day, every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Uh, you know, I just hope that, that you know, that our, our fan base doesn't expect Demko to do that every night. You know, it's different situations, different teams during the regular season now. So he's going to have some tough nights. Um, he's still human, but he's going to be so much better. Yeah, Corey Hirsch joining us. Uh, Hershey, since we last talked, we had Jim Benning on last week. Uh, a good conversation with the Canucks general manager. We mentioned, I kind of asked him, what do you see in Jake Vertanen that no one else seems to be able to see? And you, you didn't have many great things to say about after the postseason. He pointed out to the fact that now, listen, if Jake can't do it now, people coming behind him uh, are legitimate prospects. You're not waiting for something else. Do you think that what is maybe going on? lights a fire as we look for something to light a fire around Jake? <laughs> I hope so, but I'm going to tell you what happens. So when 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 you've got a young guy like that and you've kind of grown up with them, right? And you're you're a coach or a GM or whatever, you have a special attachment to them, and you you just you you don't. It's hard to give up on them, and you just you know that underneath there's a player there and the good there's a good person, but you just you know it's hard to kind of let go of that and and i i i think jim it's okay that that jim's gonna give him another another go around which is fine i mean we're all waiting for it too we all see it um and, but sometimes as a, you can get more attached to other players than than some than others right because you he you know, he, he was a kid when jim was here right so you see him grow up and it's it's almost like your son and you're just you just want him to 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 get it and to do well and to and to that and you keep giving opportunities so I hope Jake sees that out of this organization that, you know what, they do care about him and that there are people out there that, that really want to see him succeed. Like I want to see him succeed. And I hope he takes the ball and runs with it this year. I, I really do. He did have 18 goals last year, but in Jim's defense, that's what happens. You get attached to someone that they feel like, you know, you just, they're, they're yours and that you just, you know, there's something there and you just want to, you just want to see it. And uh, hopefully Jim doesn't wait too long for that. Um, but I can see him giving him one more. There's nothing wrong with humanity, you know, in my eyes and giving guys chances. Um, you know, that, that's, that's part of, I think what's going on here. Fair enough. Uh, Vance and loops, uh, asking, um, if Dem, if Demko actually flounders and Holtby delivers, do you still protect Thatcher Demko or does that change that conversation? Yes. Yes, because um, unless Demko is bombs and is god awful, um, you ha his age and his body of work, the way he's been and how he's been a winner all the way up, you got you got to keep him. Mm -hmm. I still think you got to you got to um, expose Holtby. Depends, right? Because you'll get an idea too as a team. You'll get an idea of, of who's out there in the expansion draft and whether you're not your guy's going to get plucked, right? Mm -hmm. So so if Flurry's available, Holtby's available uh you know uh who who else whatever you know like you're, you'll see the list of goalies that are going to be available and you'll get an idea around everybody else 
and then you can make a, a, a calculated decision hoping that they don't take your guy, right? Like, like everybody thinks that the draft, it's a big surprise at the expansion draft and all that. It's really not. Teams know who they're going to get. Like, they've already talked, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you going to take? Who you, and, and they've already, like, just like the last one. Um, and teams got scared and did stupid things, and that's why Vegas ended up so good. So I don't think you'll see that this time around. Colby sign here saying you're, you're going to be challenged for We don't have a number one. It's up for anyone. Or do you think, hey, we got to go with this kid. You're, you're the safety net behind him. Holby knows exactly where he's at. He's um, he knows that Demko's their guy. Like he knows that Demko's long-term their guy. What he knows that his job is to do is to spell Demko off early. But in the back of his mind, he's a competitor, and he's like any other NHL player. If he can take the role and run with it, he's going to do it. <laughs> right? That's uh, he's not coming in here going. He's coming in here thinking he, he's going to want to play a lot. But he's coming in here kind of in a bit of a, a, a role that's kind of like back, like a. Uh, your good guy backup um, and all that and be, and be a good teammate and all that. And if you get a chance to, to run with it, you take it and run with it. Right. That's kind of how I think he, he would view that role. Thank you, well, buddy. Try a water bottle in the dog's face when uh, I know bark collars, all that stuff, you know, it's, you, you can't throw snowballs at them or anything. I mean, that's just not right. So what do no. you do? <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Shut like up. A snowball where we are right I don't, now. I don't know what's worse for the neighbor, the dog barking or me yelling, shut up. We have a, uh, we have a, a very vocal, uh, we have a very vocal uh, puppy at our place as well. We're trying to figure out the same answers there, Hershey. You, uh, oh, you stay God. safe over there, you know, man. And you just love them, and then they cuddle you, and you love them. To death. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> totally. Okay. All right, gentlemen. You guys Thanks, have Hershey. a good one. We'll talk there next week. Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, uh, joining us on our Canucks commute here this morning um, on Sportsnet 650 and uh, kind of diving in on the Canucks goaltending situation. Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of hypotheticals. And until you drop the puck, you really don't know what the answers are in terms of, you know, there's like like we've talked about a million times, Pear, there are a lot of questions about every Canadian team. Uh, there's a lot to like about every Canadian team and the Canucks included in that, but there are still some valid questions to ask about Canucks goaltending, right? And I think there's a lot to like, there's a lot to be excited about, a lot to be optimistic about, but at the same time, you know, is Thatcher Demko for real? Is he the real deal? Is Braden Holt be able to get back and can he find his form from years past and get back to being, you know, resembling closer to that guy who was one of the top goaltenders in the league rather than what we've seen the last couple of years? I mean, I think both of those, both those players have serious questions to be asked. Yeah, I mean, and the thing, Demko had 25 starts last year. So if he gets 25 starts this year, that's half the season, right? So what do they look for? It's you know, the, the goalies are the ones that are going to be hurt. You know, I got an 82 game schedule going on. So, you know, does he play 30? So it's almost like he was, at, you know, if he was backing someone up again, it was a regular situation, 30 games, you go, oh, there's another time. But that's interesting. I wondered, you know, Hershey, very confident that no, Demko will play game number one. It'll be his to lose. Um, and if that's the mindset that he has and that what Holpe is aware of, I like that idea from the Canucks because I guess, I've just been buoyed by the fact, hey, man, Brayton Holpe, he can play. He's good. He can get it back. But at the end of the day, you didn't move Jacob Markstrom because of that. This has got to be Thatcher Demko's net and take it. And if he falls on his face, you've got a really nice backup. But Brayton Holpe has a backup. Maybe that's something we have to get used to. I'm not there yet, but I guess for the organization, that's where they got to be. And that decision was made three months ago. 
Uh, 25 minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, this just coming down here moments ago, but uh, the New York Jets, <laughs> less than 24 hours after uh, uh, getting burned on the Hail Mary, uh, they have fired defensive coordinator Greg Williams. Not Adam Gaze. Adam Gaze continues no. to live to fight another day, but defensive coordinator Greg Williams has paid the price for uh, making a uh, just a, a stupid decision um, at the end of the game pair. Well, as someone said, Greg Williams will now be able to spend Christmas with his family, and the rest of that Jets coaching staff has to work for another four weeks before they're fired. If, if they keep their job, it's amazing. But, yeah, fall guy, and they fired Greg Williams like it was his fault and not Adam Case, which, as our friend Barry Wilner says, in New York, they've had the headlines Case fired ready since week two, and here he is. He continues to survive, but someone pays for that loss, and that should be the case to the Raiders yesterday. Uh, coming up uh, still, we will announce our winner for the uh, Canucks uh, Hot Stove Luncheon uh, Grand Prize winner. Uh, is special VIP and dinner served to you coming up Friday at noon. We'll announce that winner between before we sign off at 9 o'clock. And, uh, plus, still to come, no BS, just PS. And why Laurent Duvernay-Tardif deserves a strong consideration to be Canada's Athlete of the Year. That's next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 831, Sabolski, Solkowski taking you until 9 o'clock when the uh, Scott Rintoul Show takes on over. And uh, we will announce uh, uh, our winner for the uh, Canucks VIP Grand Prize. Do we still have time to get uh, last uh, second submissions in here, Pear? Or are we, or I would is think so. Up? Why not? If you don't know a, uh, a a virtual hot stove taking place on Friday, you have a chance to win a ticket to a private viewing. You'll get a chance to talk to Kevin BX and Dan Murphy and a couple of other Canucks alumni will be part of this. And sure, what you need to do, text us 650-650. It's our Dunbar Lumber Dunbar Lumber text line and just a question that you would like to ask Kevin Bieksa. So we will choose at uh, 845 the winner and then they will be set up with a dinner, a beverage and a kind of a backstage pass to talk to the guys involved before they go public with the hot stove. So get that good question. 10 minutes. You can think of a good question in three minutes. You might be a winner. You <laughs> might be pulling it out like the Raiders did yesterday against yeah. the Jets. Think about your own personal hot stove essentially a chance to be a vip and dinner covered everybody likes a little dinner on a friday going into the weekend all right let's get into today's seaball says you know i was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself seaball says on sportsnet 650 the Lou Marsh Award will be handed out Tuesday, recognizing Canada's Athlete of the Year. And for months, I felt like it was a no-brainer that Alfonso Davies is the runaway choice, winning a Champions League title with Bayern Munich, entering the conversation as arguably the best left back on the planet. And he only turned 20 a month ago. Whoa! Jesse! Oh, my God! Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Drake! You followed me! Oh, my. <laughs> Love that. Uh, but after seeing the news yesterday 
that Laurent Duvernay Tardif was named as part of Sports Illustrated's Sports Person of the Year, the activist athlete, a list that included LeBron James, Naomi Osaka, Brianna Stewart, and teammate Pat Mahomes, kind of gave me pause for a rethink. It's a story that feels like it's miles away based on what he did at the start of the year, but even now, it's one that is simply incredible. A starting right guard on the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, a franchise that had gone 50 years between title wins. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami as they win it here in Super Bowl 54. But rather than fighting to defend a championship, he instead chose to battle the COVID-19 pandemic that has killed more than 1.5 million people worldwide here this year. He chose to give up an average annual salary of $8.4 million to focus on what he studied to be in university, a doctor. At a time when we needed healthcare workers more than we ever have in our lifetime, LDT chose to help us rather than the Chiefs. And to be clear, we're not talking about a role player or a backup. We're talking about a starting member of an offensive line that protects Mahomes, the most transcendent player to hit the NFL in years, possibly ever. As long as try to make a diving tip, that Mahomes who tiptoes inside the 10, still not out. Oh, what a run! He returned home to help. The 29-year-old native of Mont-Saint-Hilaire, Quebec, chose to volunteer in a long-term care facility in his home province at the height of the pandemic's first wave. When the impact and the danger was still so unknown to so many of us, he chose to step into the eye of the storm. In a year where so many raised their voices to help, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif also lent his mind and his body. Sports vary. Some are individual, others are team sports. And Duvernay Tardif was the ultimate team player, choosing to help all of us. So in short, sorry Fonzie. Hey! But in a tough, challenging, unique, unsettling, crappy, and every other buzzword to describe 2020, I'll take Laurent Duvernay Tardif to be my Canadian athlete of the year well james some great points there uh super bowl champ you know he he hurt his calf during the super bowl and played through it and he is loved in his home province and i think continues to get such great respect throughout the national media and for what he did to say no i don't want to play football you know here's a guy who's making his big money and uh, said my community and what I'm going to do after football is more important. I would think that if you were ever to get into a conversation with him when he's 40, 45, you'd probably have to really drill down deep before he would tell you, yeah, I want a Super Bowl. I think being a doctor is more important to him, his focus. But tomorrow when the Lou Marsh Award is handed out, it'll be handed out to Alfonso Davies. Of that, I am quite sure. But I tell you, when you have conversations about the Order of Canada, and people who have done so much for their city and province. He is deservedly so one of five that is Sports Illustrated Sports Persons of the Year, and I understand that. And he may be Canadian of the Year from a Time Magazine Canada or McLean's Magazine Canadian Person of the Year, 
But tomorrow when the Lou Marsh is, unfortunately, sports writers will think exactly of accomplishments on the athletic field, and it will go to Alfonso Davies, who did something no one else has ever done in Canada. That does nothing to minimize the incredible year and what he has done for our country and what uh, DeBardin has done. But don't you think that what Laurent DuVernay-Tardif has done is pretty unprecedented too? It's, inc- it's incredible. But the Lou Marsh goes to the athlete. And he, would, he will get votes for the Lou Marsh because he won a Super Bowl as a Canadian a starter on a great football team. But I think what you're trying to make the case for, you know, he played, what, four football games probably in 2020 because of that. What is so impressive is that he didn't go back to that, that he's not part of that Chiefs. We didn't watch him play last night. And he said, you know why? Because you see the the state we're in. And Quebec came out of the gates just so terrible. And he's there and, and everything that's going on in the nursing homes there. And he was going, how am I leaving this and going to play football and make money when I want to be a doctor and I am a doctor and I can help? That, to me, is more Order of Canada pathway than it is Lou Marshallwood. You think it's less athletic than with what – I mean, Ray Gara, start, yeah. like starting member of the eventual Super Bowl champions. And I should also point out, like, here's the other thing to consider. You know, Champions League was played in, in a unique circumstance, right? No fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the emotion, the temperature of the game was somewhat compromised to what its traditional form was. The Super Bowl was played before the pandemic ultimately shut everything down. We saw probably the truest version of what the National Football League season was when the Chiefs ultimately won it this year. Bigger stage. Worldwide, bigger stage. Uh, you know, He's not the first Canadian to reach those heights to win a Super Bowl. Alfonso Davies, a true groundbreaker and doing what he did in Champions League, the first Canadian to ever win. Hey, it's a great argument, and for what 2020 is all about, I have no problem if he's our Canadian Citizen of the Year, uh, but I think your Lou Marsh winner tomorrow will be Alfonso Davies. Fair point, though. Yep. All right, you ready to keep going? Yeah, let's keep on going. You know, what we give you all the big stories, we also find some stuff, a little BS or PS. That's what we call it. Let's deal with it right now. It's all P.S. No B.S. right here on the starting lineup. P.S. We're going to be dealing with a whole bunch of rain as far as weather this week. But on the weekend in the Boston area, big snowstorm. Stay off the roads, everybody. But some people were on the roads, including this gentleman whose voice you may recognize and a reporter didn't when asked, hey, how do you travel in these tough road conditions? Uh, we're from Canada, so it's not too crazy. I mean, uh, we got some winter tires and uh, used to this growing up, so um, it's not great. I'll tell you, you get some, uh, some tough stretches, but if you don't go too fast, uh, uh, it's doable. That's Hockey Hall of Famer Jerome Ginla. Lives in the Boston area, not the easiest guy. Likes to stay away from all the publicity, but hey, he was driving. Reporter needed a clip, had no idea who he was, James. It made it think of this Weather Network report on a sunny day at the seawall in Vancouver years ago. Not a lot of rain, a lot of sunshine, and uh, the weather's been really mild, so it's been uh, really nice. Iginla, Luongo, Adrian Peterson's been a part of stuff. Clay Thompson's been a part of the old streeters. Just get a clip from someone, and they turned out to be world-famous people. Uh, I don't know. I think I think Iggy, as uh, you know, I feel like there is an opportunity here to make some money. Winter driving tips. 
with Jerome Ginla. Oh, feels like a future ad endorsement for Iggy. The Hall of Famer oh, winter driving I tip. I tell you, somebody in Boston goes, hey, would you like to endorse our winter tires? Sure, why not? I'll smile with the tires. It'll work. Hey, uh, the Jets, <laughs> oh, could they lose in any worse fashion? In fact, today, Greg Williams, just within the last half hour, the defensive coordinator was fired. Here's former Jets coach, um, Earlier today, Rex Ryan talking about what he thought about the performance of the Jets on that final play. Dumbest call I've ever seen. And only (laughs) been around the thing for 58 years, 30 years as a coach. That's the dumbest call ever. The statistics prove it up. NFL has had a database on situational plays since 2006. That is the first time ever. They could find a team that sent seven players after a quarterback on a play in the final 30 seconds of a game where the only thing that could hurt you is giving up a touchdown. He's paying the price. Heads will roll. Heads will roll. Heads got to roll. Hey, kids, moms and dads, you understand the countdown to Santa's underway. And you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, and you can think about it in 2020. Zoom Santa is a big thing. Longtime mall Santas really don't have an opportunity. There is a couple who play Santa and Mrs. Claus. They are doing Zoom Claus in the state of Missouri. $49 for five minutes for Santa. $69 for 10 minutes. James, the couple is raking it in, man. They're booked four to five appointments for an hour. Hanging at home, doing the work of Santa, and making some big change in 2020. (laughs) There's some serious money to be made. Zoom Santa conferences. Man, I'll tell you, uh, there. I had a former accountant of mine who is now taking on the role of being a Santa at this time of the year for the last few years. He makes a ton of bank doing parties, doing, you know, meet and greets and all really? that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I didn't think it was that profitable. I thought for some reason it would all be, you know, Santa's doing it. It's just for the love of the job. Now he committed, had, like he invested though. Like he he bought, like he spent like fifteen hundred bucks on a quality Santa suit and really kind of stepped up, you know. And so I, I, know, I he's guess for having he's a, got back a good in the day game. when you'd have a staff party or something, uh, or there's kids involved, right? The family party. Hey, we need someone to do Santa. Okay, someone go rent a Santa, like rent a goalie in rec uh, league. Yeah, I uh, guess if you've got the suit, I don't know what do you charge as a Santa? Hundred bucks, two hundred bucks to come by, play the role. Never yeah, thought of it. It's, uh, I think you get a few hundred bucks to depending on depending on you, know, you get the west side neighbor. You get some west side neighborhoods. You know, you get maybe get the British properties. Mm. Maybe get some good bank. Uh, it's no BS, everybody. <laughs> Just PS on this Monday morning. Eight forty-five. We got a grand prize winner to announce uh, coming up. Matter of moments. Uh, we'll get to that and much much more. All still ahead here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Ten minutes to uh, nine o'clock here on this Monday, December seventh. Uh, 
just a few more minutes before we turn things over to Scotty, a grand prize winner to announce momentarily. Uh, news just coming in this morning. Uh, how about this pair uh, from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? Vaccines are coming. The largest immunization in our country's history looms as Canada has secured a deal with Pfizer of early delivery of a quarter of a million doses uh, sometime this month. Now, there's 38 million. Yes, so we'll get 249,000 doses coming this month, um, which, you know, in a country of 38 million isn't a lot, but it's a start. It's a start. Vaccines are on the way. Yeah, the question is, I mean, I don't know how long it takes Amazon to deliver them, but, um, you know, how quickly do we get the second and the third round? But, hey, that's positive news. Anytime. I think I, I think uh, Prime members will get first uh, crack at uh, <laughs> yes. Get your members. Find your Costco card. Anything helps. Yeah. Hey, yeah. If you're a, a Costco country, member or if you're an Amazon show. Prime member, you get front-of-the-line access to a vaccination. <laughs> yeah. It's like Disney. You got the express card? No. Oh, then you'll be waiting for a while. Hey, our grand prize winner is up in your neck of the woods, I see, this morning. Oh, I tell you, Atlanta. Atlanta, I got to tell the Canucks that sent two. I'll walk over to your house. We'll have lunch. Um, Yes, we asked you a chance to uh, get a backstage pass at Stove. Kevin Bieksa will host it with Dan Murphy. There'll be other Vancouver Canucks alumni jumping on. We wanted to know, hey, give us a question for Bieksa. And Atlanta, Atlanta hit it. Very simple question, but good. Favorite and least favorite road roommate and why? So Bieksa would have a few. She said other than Kessler. So Atlanta came up with it. She lives in Admore. I'll be doing my uh, my post, post-show walk around. But nice job, Atlanta. We're keeping it up here. So she wins. Congratulations to her. And thanks for everybody. Lots of great submissions there. Um, you know, good questions to ask BXA, but Alana gets the win. Well done. Look at that. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We were talking about you or mentioning your uh, Zoom conference Santas here, Pear. Uh, there's uh, in Semiam Umal, one of our listeners texting in saying there's a Santa uh, uh, where you can still sit on his lap for a picture and then have lots of COVID protocols to keep you safe while you're there. You can grab a slice of pizza uh, from Fresh I, I don't Ice, believe which, that. Uh, I'm calling BS, not PS yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, you Jason. honestly think that's true? That's uh, Jason in Surrey saying that. Well, it's funny because Brenda said to me the other day, she's like, you know, apparently Bass Pro Shops, still, they're still doing Santa pictures with Santa. So we kind of looked online and was like, what, really? And kind of looked online. And, and there are a lot of Bass Pro Shops all across America that still make that available. Um, but health protocols prevent that from happening up uh, here in British Columbia. So, yeah, how are you sitting on a stranger's lap at this time? <laughs> well, you know away. what? Idaho Santa is still allowing lap pictures. I guess where? Oh, <laughs> trust me. Yeah, who knows? There you go. We're out of time. Uh, it's for Tuesday tomorrow. I wonder if Bert would. Uh, you know what, Bert? How about Bert as a Santa Claus? Uh, he just came back and said it's true. Uh, Bert would be a grump. No, Bert would probably be a really good Santa Claus. Right? He'd be the Santa from Christmas Story. Ho, ho, what do you want, kid? Yeah. He'd be like bad no, Santa, like Billy Bob, or he'd be like the mall Santa from uh, Christmas Story, I think. Good size, though. <laughs> Staying in shape, though. Look forward well, to it tomorrow, Bert, as always. Yes, take care. The Scott Ritual Show coming your way in a matter of moments. He's Perry. I'm James. We're back at it Tuesday morning. Same bat time, same bat channel here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.